Looking for something sweet to snack on? King, Queen, and Princesses Sweet Eats got you covered with the original New Orleans-style pralines. From pecan, walnut, almond, and cashews to the flavor that's sweeping the nation, pistachios. Hit up kqnpse.myshopify.com. Use the code word Gems and Juice to get 15% off of your order. That's kqnpse.myshopify.com. Code word Gems and Juice. Make sure you follow them on Instagram at kqnpse for more information. King, Queen, and Princesses. Sweet Eats. So you qualify. Turn my music high, 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 high. Let's go. Yeah. You don't know. Sure I do. It's the anniversary. Peace with a hook, swallow on me. Bullets of fire. 20 years. So much coke that you could run, run, run a slalom. Cops comb this shit top to top bottom. Top to bottom. They say that we are we on the bottom. But it's on sweet home. Sweet home. Personality flash and chrome meets chrome. Prices up and down like it's like Wall, Wall Street homes. Homes. Happy Saturday. I'm fucking hype right now, man. Welcome to hell where you are. Well, you are welcome to sell. Shells come, you better return them. Old scars we earn them. Our cars, we learn them like the back of our hands. I'm playing the Where a G on my chest saddles me back of bed. Home Tom did the outage. We ain't got no motherfucking rundown today. Hove. Sure, I do. I tell you the difference between me and them. They trying to get they ones. The gems and juice. One million, two million, three million. Let's go. Just five years, 40 million more. 20 years today. And at the 40 million boy, I'm raping Def Jam till I'm the 100 million man. R O C. Let's go. I swear you're wrong. I came into this motherfucker hundred grand strong. Nine to be exact. From grinding cheap. Let's go. Put this shit in motion. Ain't no rewinding me back. Could make 40 on a brick, but one rhyme could beat that. And if somebody would have told him that hoe would sell clothing, not in this right mind. Wasn't in my right mind. That's another difference that's between me and them. <laughs> Happy Saturday. Fuck it up. One million, two million, three. I like where you want to let this whole thing ride, eight man. Months, eighty million <laughs> more. Now add that number up with the one I said before. You are now looking at one smart black boy. Fuck the five hundred k, man. I'm taking a dinner with Jay Z. Okay, <laughs> this got me hyped, man. I'm saying fuck the five hundred k, man. Now, how could you put a price on dinner with Hove? How? Are we doing throw some D's? <laughs> what is, what's going on nah, here? Th- this ain't just throw some D's, man. This is the remix, man. Oh, the Andre 3000 verse? Okay, okay, okay. Like yeah. We got to, man. Do you love me? Did you imagine him rapping over this? Like you said you would. <laughs> I didn't even like this original song. Wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a classic. I ain't like it at first. Oh. I turned out pretty good. But if you want to try, suck a Nike, we can do it. <laughs> Track. And we run straight to the back, but they coming from the back. So 
we run back to the front. They say get down on your knees. We say what the fuck you want? They want cheese, they want bread, they want dough, they want more. Then I wanna give them, but if I keep talking, they won't know that my cousin in the back. And we call him Roller Rooter slash Plumber Cash Runner. And he found them computer blog out. Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight, no slick, just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that hoe. I'm putting you on the spot right now, man. Who's the better rapper right now, Jay-Z or Andre 3000? That's not really fair, nah. but I got to say Andre 3. Okay. I mean, it's not. Andre 3K got one verse out in the past, what, three years? I said who's the better rapper. I ain't saying who got the better career. Ba- based, off of their, the better based off rapper? of their rapper? Based off of their last bar work. Bar. Based off of their last work, I would have to say Andre no. 3K. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was about to based say off that. Of, that we talked nah. about some old Jay Z got the albums and all this. Other. No, Who's I'm not talking rapper. Right as of today, yeah, right September now. September 11th to 2021. Two. Yeah, of course it's Andre 3000. Okay, but that's just because uh, Jay Z I feel hasn't been putting his best foot forward. Yeah, and I think if he actually tried on some of these features, he would have been he would have fared better. But yeah, Andre 3000 killed that leaked Kanye song. Uh, life of the party so you have to say Andre 3000 right now yeah you have to it, it's crazy because um like i love both of them to death but the way andre 3000 be coming up with shit he come up with shit that you never think about like damn how the fuck did he come up with that i know jay-z do the same thing but mm-hmm. he kind he kind of come up with shit where it's like you know it makes sense you know it's not that big of a deal. Maybe 10 years later, you might be like, damn, like, I really understand that now. I see where he was going with. His shit is kind of like a, um, I want to say it's like a, a, a Jordan Peele flick where you kind of mm-hmm. got to dig in deep and understand what he really meant. You got to YouTube some shit and be like, oh, that's what he meant when he said that. But um, Andre 3000, his shit is just so, th- it, it's kind of like poetry, man. And it's like, damn, he just, how did he come up with that shit? Because when you listen to Andre 3000, it ain't no, you know, no crazy ass metaphors. It's like he telling the damn story and it just sounds so smooth. It's like, how the fuck did he do that, man? Like, that shit is amazing. No, it definitely is, man. And also the fact that we don't hear from him too often, that it makes the verses more special. Like if we heard from Jay-Z maybe once every three years, every Jay-Z verse would be a huge deal. But we hear from him fairly frequently, and he even drops an album here and there. So, yeah, it's not as big of a deal as a new Andre 3K verse is going to be. So, yeah, man. (laughs) Uh, We still need the solo album from Andre (laughs) before we put him in any kind of GOAT conversation. But... He, I mean, he he's he got, doing his thing. He got that unofficial um, solo album, <laughs> which is that, that don't, love yeah, below. that love below don't that's, count. That's man. an unofficial. He, that's yeah. an unofficial <laughs> solo album, man. That's the most we gonna get from an Andre thousand man. <laughs> but Andre did. Uh, he did speak out. He released a statement to Rolling Stone after that song leaked. And of course, we're talking about Life of the Party, the yeah. Kanye song where he basically dissed everybody. Drake, Sci-Hi, a few other people. But Andre spoke on the leak and he did say that, um, you know, number one, he thought the song was going to be on an album and he was surprised it wasn't. Number two, um, he didn't know that Kanye was going to be dissing Drake and all that on it. 
And number three, he did say he wanted to be on Drake's album, too. Mm. He said he wants to work with everybody. He wants to work with Kendrick, uh, <laughs> J. Baby. Cole, Lil Baby. He said he wants to work with everybody right now. So I don't know if they're just not calling him. Maybe they just think maybe he's a hard guy to reach. Maybe they just think he's going to say no because he don't really rap like that no more. Maybe Drake was scared. Hmm. I think you know hmm. what I think it is. I felt like he was kind of off the grid because if he wanted to work with all of those people, I'm sure everybody would be like, "Come on in, like yeah. I got something for you." But um, I felt like he was kind of being political with that statement, saying, "Hey, I, I think that was his. Hey, I don't have a problem with anybody. I want to work with a lot of people." Type thing. No, I think they scared. I think really? they scared. Think I think little, you think a little baby scared? Not a little baby. Little baby probably barely even know who Andre three thousand is. Let's be yeah. real about that. Yeah. I think Drake and J Cole. I think they're scared to rap with Andre. Really? Yes. I feel. I feel like somebody like an Andre. Um, I feel like, like even with this Kanye song, a lot of people saying he just got washed. Which, you know, it's Kanye, man. Like, how many people, I mean, how many people, I know Kanye got some legendary verses, but, like, I wouldn't be mad, if, as a rapper, I wouldn't be mad if uh, Kanye, uh, or, or if Andre 3000 just outshined me. Because it's Andre mm-hmm. 3000, man. It's it's a couple people in this industry where it's like, hey, no matter what you do, this other person is going to outshine me no matter what. Lil Wayne is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, Andre 3000 to me is one of them. And you could probably put Jay-Z up there as, as one of as a verse that will probably outshine, you know, whatever you got. But um I yeah, I don't understand why, you know, if why people would be scared to have him on the track, man, because you know, it's it's already hard enough to even get him on the track. Mm-hmm. And if you have him on the track, that's to me it's like having a Lil Wayne on the track, man. Like you probably won't have the better verse. <laughs> so it, it it's kind of more of an honor to even have him on the track. I wouldn't be scared to have him on with me. No, definitely not. But I mean it's the ego thing with these rappers too, and nobody likes to be the subject of memes. Nobody wants to get clowned on social media. No Drake, you know, he don't want to look and say, Ooh, Andre three thousand killed him. Is Drake <laughs> even the bit like nobody wants to go online and read that, especially since it's your song to have somebody else take all the attention. So there is a lot of egos, especially at the top of rap. But mm-hmm. I, of course anybody like a, for a little baby, it would be an honor for him. And I'm yeah. sure he would be cool with it. But uh, everybody else, like the Drakes and all them, I, I guess I was going a little far by saying Drake is scared. I think yeah. Drake would do it, but yeah. I feel also he would be, he, 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 it, it would irk him if people said that Andre killed him on a track. Yeah, so that, I'll just put just, it like that. That's just strange because it's not like Andre is a super, he's not active to me. It'd be yeah. one thing if it was Kendrick because I don't think I, I would I would be comfortable saying um, Drake would be scared to get Kendrick on the album. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. because that's their they competing against each other. But Andre just out here chilling, playing flutes and yeah, all type of other shit, playing the saxophone and like to me that's somebody you got to make. You know, if you want to work with you, you got to make it happen. It can't be that's a, true. He, he not in competition with Andre three thousand. That's. That's like a, a diamond in the rough to get him on the album, man. Yeah. So, you know, if it, if I was Drake, I'd be like, fuck it. You know, do your theme, have the best verse. 
I'll fucking let you have it, man. <laughs> I will sing on the hook and just call it a day. Mm-hmm. Like, I got you on the album, so I don't care. But uh, I understand if it was like a Kendrick Lamar or if it was a J. Cole or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, if, if if that's really it, you know, they kind of scared of getting washed by Andre 3000, man. They need to rethink that shit. It's a lot of egos, man. You never know what the real yeah. reasons are. But there's a lot of egos in rap, so you know how it is. Everybody think they the best, so that's just how rap is, man. Ho- hopefully we get a Drake and Andre 3000. I would love to hear that. No, we all would, man. It'll be yeah. fire. It would have been better than everything on CLB, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. We're going to recap our thoughts on that in a little bit. But we are getting off track, man. Let's bring it back in. We are back with another exciting edition of the Gems and Well, first, Jay Prince, tell them what they're listening to. The Gems and Juice. We are back at it. A uh, special guest, a uh, 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 expanding our horizons with our guest this week. We get more uh, white people on, man. Yeah, of course, of course. That's what we call. It. We're <laughs> diversifying. Okay, this is what happens when companies bring one black person in and say they are a diverse company. Now we are a diverse <laughs> podcast. We've had three white guests. Yes, a hundred seventy-eight episodes and three white guests means we are diverse. Two, two okay, in the last three episodes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so we are we are on a streak of diversity. And we have an interview with the very talented in Houston-born uh, Josh Meese, aka Lapland, who has a, uh, a writing credit on the Kanye album "Hurricane," the song on Donda, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, we got to get to the podcast, talk about new music, recent shit. But first off, Biggie man. How's this week been for you, bro? How you been? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, it's been an extended week. I know a lot of people had the week the uh, the Monday off, Labor Day. Yeah. We didn't have that day off. We had to work like normal. So it was a normal week for me. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I was doing a lot of volunteer work for the, you know, the Barbara Bush book stuff that was going on. So mm-hmm. a lot of people was donating some books and all that. And um yeah, man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm, I'm chilling, man. I'm good, to, uh, glad to be here, man. And um, it, football is here, man. It is. I've been I've been watching. Uh, I watched uh, some of the game last night, and I was watching the U.S. Open with tennis, mm. which was crazy, man. Because I don't know if you've been keeping up, but um, a lot of big dogs been getting knocked out of tennis when it came to the women's side. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, right now you got um. Alayla Fernandez, who's in there, and you got Emma Radicu. I can't, I forgot her last name, but this is an 18 year old versus yeah. a 19 year old, which is wild <laughs> to be in the finals, <laughs> the U.S. Open finals. So that's history right there. On top of both of them not even being ranked. So uh, it it been a roller coaster when it came to tennis. I know this ain't the tennis podcast and. Mm-hmm. All of y'all probably don't give a shit, but this is kind of this is history right here, and um, and then um, you on Thursday night you had a, uh, a really good game with forty four year old Tom Brady <laughs> leading a comeback. So it's been a pretty good week, man. It's a good week for sports. The Texans play, so yeah, hmm. man. I'm I'm excited, man. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a wild time, man. And sports are back. Uh, I missed the game, but I did hear it was close. So 
uh, uh, good, good to have football back. Good to see the packed stadiums again, man. Because that shit was weird last year. Everything last year has an asterisk. I don't care, man. The, yeah. the, the Sam, I, I'll give it to Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the goat. But er, there is asterisk all around playing in the fucking <laughs> empty stadiums, man. I don't care. That that was weird. <laughs> so we are finally back to normal. Um, the tennis shit is funny to watch too because you see, uh, like, this is the post Serena and Venus era is very wild, man, because yeah. we thought Naomi was going to take the torch. I don't yeah. think it's going to trend w- that way. Yeah. I was telling somebody earlier today, um, you know, on the men's side it's probably, um, you know, it's the Joker, uh, Novak mm. Djokovic. He probably going to run away with the, you know, the grand slam. Yeah. But, uh, on the women's side, outside of Serena, it's wide open, man. Yeah, like I know you got Naomi Osaka. She got she got knocked out early, and her future is kind of up in question, man. Yeah, it looked like she not playing anytime soon again. But um, there is no clear cut, you know, dominant w- woman's player right now. It's super wide open, and that's that's the thing I like about women's tennis. Um, you could be number one, number two, number three, whatever. You could be ranked. You could get knocked out by somebody that ain't mm-hmm. ranked. <laughs> it could just you. It could just be a bad day for you. And you know, it's 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 kind of like NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, you could go in rank once you get into that March Madness. Uh, some Cinderella team can just <laughs> knock you out and end up in the Final Four. So that's that's a good thing about tennis. And you know, watching tennis. You always root for the underdog, man. Yeah. Like uh it's always it's always a Cinderella story. It's some, you know, teenager who, you know, who just got into the tournament and, you know, she she on a crazy street when she beat some type of legendary person or some ranked person. And you can't help but to root for that person. So um it really been to me it really been a good um US open to me now it's always interesting to see in these sports when the most dominant person leaves Mm -hmm. and there's always the next person that you think like for example when tiger woods left what basically had fell off Mm -hmm. and and had surgery and basically wasn't the same player everybody was thinking oh rory mcelroy is gonna come then he he didn't take the mantle. Then it was supposed to be Jordan Spieth. Remember Jordan Spieth? Yeah. He was supposed to be the new Tiger. <laughs> didn't work out for him either, man. It's rough out here. These kids are coming, and they ain't playing games, man. Like, these yeah. younger athletes are, are better trained, yep. mentally prepared for it. Yeah, they, they, ain't, they ain't just going to roll over because you a big name, man. So, yeah. Very interesting times we're living yeah, in, yeah, sports-wise. Yeah, so I think I think the game, um, the women's match, uh, Radical versus um, Layla Fernandez, I think they play tonight. So make sure you guys watch that. It, it's, it, it's a teen, teenage dream. I, I, my, the song I'm going to be th- um, playing or thinking about is the Katy Perry Teenage Dream song. Oh yeah, because it's really it's two teenagers, man. Two cheering, and they they in the brightest spotlight, <laughs> uh, uh, tennis. Yeah, and they they both aren't ranked like that, so it's it's crazy how they got that far, man. I know, and somehow they're also able to do interviews too. Hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 
Don't be throwing shots. Don't be throwing shots at my girl, man. Nah, it's playing. I'm playing. Shout out to Naomi. Do, do you feel different about how she feel about all of this? Do you think it's a little more serious or you think she just um just a sore loser type thing? No, I think, well, I I think after seeing her, because everybody, everybody made a big deal about her last comments because she broke down and, and cried again. And at this point, I honestly just feel like she can't handle the pressure of being the number one player, unfortunately, because she said something like, when I win, I don't feel good. I just feel relief. And when mm-hmm. I lose, I feel really bad. And she thinks that's not normal. But that is normal if you're expected to win because you're the number one player. Yeah. You know, LeBron goes on the court and, yeah, if he beats the number eight seed in the first round of the playoffs, he's not going to feel happy about it. He's going to feel relief like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. If he gets knocked out, of course, he's going to feel real bad. Yeah. So I think some of that just comes with the territory of being number one. I just don't think she she wants that or can handle that, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think she's just going to take like a year off, fall down the rankings. She'll be a nice comeback story when she does come back. But I don't think she's going to be what we thought she was going to be. I don't think she's going to be Serena 2.0. I don't think oh, it's going to yeah. happen for her. Shit. But, I don't think we ever going to see a Serena 2.0. Yeah. Man. Because the way these um, tennis, these women's tennis players are built, Serena, you know, I ain't trying to be the person, oh, she's built, you know, mm-hmm. she's taking something and all that. But Serena was, a, she was literally yeah. LeBron, man. Yes. And, um, yeah, the way she played, it was no way you could beat her. <laughs> and I know it's different now, but I don't think you ever going to see a woman like that in tennis <laughs> for a minute. Because if you look at all the tennis players, they're kind of um, a little skinny, a little petite. Mm-hmm. You don't really see anybody like Serena. I never seen nobody yeah. like Serena play like that or uh, built like that. So even the you know the Coco Golfs, the the Sloan Stevens, they're not really built like that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they can't just overpower you and just mm-hmm. bully you like Serena used to do. Even um, even Venus Williams, uh, she had a pretty good career. She she didn't have a career like Venus. I mean, or Serena. But she was kind of the typical tennis player, mm-hmm. you know. And um, yeah, I don't think you're gonna see. I don't think you're gonna see a, a Serena at all, man. Yeah. Unless you know, a couple years later, you see some type of built, uh, kind of thick built, you know, black woman just getting there and bully people. I just don't think you'll see that. Yeah, that was a, a once in a lifetime thing, man. And sometimes we don't realize what we have because I know everybody got bored of of. Uh, Serena always winning or yeah. it being Serena versus Venus every time in the final. But yeah, look what yeah. we have now, man. It's a gamble. You, yeah. There's names that, that you never even heard of in the finals now. Yeah. And I know we be kind of critical of uh, uh, Serena, you know, saying she watched and all that stuff. But sometimes I got to go back and say, man, just appreciate her being out here at this age. Oh, definitely. Because we ain't going to see it again, man. Just like LeBron, we ain't going to see, Le- yep. we ain't going to see a LeBron type of player again like that. And, you know, now just like, man, I appreciate her even being out there and getting to the, you know, semifinals or, you know, the second round or something. So, yeah, um, yeah you ain't I don't think we're going to see anybody like that in a minute. We, we uh, I think it's normal to see the, you know, Naomi Osaka's getting knocked out early once in a while or 
the Sloan Stevens who, you know, can't get past the third, uh, second, second round or semifinals and stuff like that. So I think I think we just got too comfortable seeing Serena always on top where, you know, whenever she get knocked out of the finals or the semifinals. It was a big deal. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. So I kind of had to go back down to earth and say, hey. You know, even though she, you know, she had, I want to say 23 grand, uh, 23, you know, uh, championships. Grand slams, yeah. Yeah. She's still, you know, it's still amazing how, you know, she had a baby and still mm. at least getting up there. She's not yep. winning, but she's still up there because you could easily be like Venus, who not even ranked mm-hmm. and still kind of out there playing for fun. So. It'll be the same thing with Tiger Woods. I hear Tiger Woods might be getting close to playing again. If he does, you know, we don't expect that's him to a, win anything ever that's again. That's a miracle he yeah. even playing because I exactly. Thought, he I, almost died, man. Yeah, I thought he was gone. <laughs> People thought he was never going to walk again at one point. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. We're just going to like seeing Tiger out there in the red Nike uh, shirt and the bald head at this point, damn near. Yeah. Doing his thing, man. Got to appreciate greatness while it's still here because one day – it's going to be gone, and all we're going to have you is the stories see- and YouTube highlights. Yeah, you ain't going to see it again. <laughs> yep. Very true. Very true. Uh, but enough of, enough of memory lane, man. We got to get to current day. We got to get to what's popping in the streets right now. And as always, we'll kick it off with a new music review. And we do have a new album out. An artist we've been talking about a little more frequently lately. He was on the Kanye West Donda album. He also released a single with Kendrick. Um, who we recently, at least I recently found out he is Kendrick's cousin. I did too. And yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he dropped his new album. It is called The Melodic Blue. Um, he has actually two songs with Kendrick Lamar, yeah. uh, also features with Don Tolliver and Travis Scott. And aside from that, it's just Baby King. Uh, this is his third album, I believe. Now uh, he is about twenty years old, so very young. It's a very younger, uh, uh, I guess, scaled artist. Yeah. You know, younger sound. Uh, so your your mileage might vary if you're an older person like me and Figgy. But we did listen to it. We're giving the kids a fair shot. Uh, Figgy, we'll kick it off with you, man. What were your general thoughts on this new album from Baby King? So um, I really wasn't familiar with Baby King until uh, he had a song called, I want to say, Soda something. Orange Soda, oh, classic. Orange Soda, yeah. That's where, I, well, that's where I first heard of him. And I was just like, okay, this song is all right. But I thought he was a typical Atlanta artist. So I'm just like, all right, you know, no big deal. But um, then the next song I heard from him where I was like, damn, this shit kind of fire. It was the... Um, the song with uh, Travis Scott, drug uh, do rag activity. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, damn, this shit kind of you know bump, but still ain't really think nothing of it. And then it wasn't until I heard the Kendrick song, <laughs> the one with Kendrick with the you know the crazy verse and the um, the video for it, and I was just like, damn, this shit sound all right. And that's when I found out I was Kendrick's cousin. So I'm like, oh shit, he mu- he from L- he from Cali then. And um, so I ended up going back to one of his albums, which is um, Die For My Bitch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, this shit actually all right. <laughs> like, how the fuck I didn't come across this album? 
So I was uh, so it was up until you know Friday when he released his um, new album that I was you know listening to the old one and I'm just like damn this shit like this shit sound good man this some good gym music and um, I listen so I end up Friday hit and I end up listening to the um, melodic blues the bl- melodic blue and. I I like the album a lot, man. I um went back to a few tracks. I like the first song. Um, I didn't really like Pink Panties at all, but everything else, man, I thought it was kind of solid, man. He was, and the thing is, he was kind. You could tell he's kind of influenced a little bit by his cousin uh, Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, he was still himself, but you could tell he had the lyrics there, the production there. You could tell it was a little bit uh, Kendrick influence. And I had a question for you too, man. I want to know how you feel about this. It seemed like a lot of artists are into the, um, I guess, the beat change. Mm-hmm. It's a whole bunch of, it seemed like right now, every artist has some type of song where the beat just totally changed. And to be honest, I, I like what he did on here, but I'm kind of getting overwhelmed by it. it se- sometimes it seems like the beat change don't even make sense. Like, I wonder if artists just, um, they got two different songs and they just mash them together and <laughs> just make it one song. But, um, yeah, I kind of want to know how you feel about that, but you you can answer that a little later. But as far as this album, man, um, I enjoy the album a lot, man. Um, I know Kendra got the legendary verse on here, the um, top of the morning, top of the morning. Top of the top morning, of- top of the morning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that... that that little clip that was circulating all week, that was kind of like some headline porn a little bit because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, I know that ain't his whole verse. I I, I know he ain't poopity scoop us. Mm-hmm. But um, when you actually hear the whole song, it I, um, I still don't think it makes sense, but he at least got a verse on there that makes sense. And then at this, after the third beat change, he had that on there, so... It's it's not as bad as what it seemed like on social media, because everybody on social media is like, "What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, what the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, man, I enjoy the album a lot, man. Um, it's kind of a little um, I don't want to call it ratchet, but it's it's kind of newer age, like it's it, it, it's younger, but he kind of got lyrics behind it too. And uh, the production on here is really good to me. Um, I like Scapegoats. I like Range Brothers, which is the song we was kind of just talking about with the top of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I like so- I like South Africa a lot, man. <laughs> that's kind of a song that's, you know, he ain't going to get Lyrical Miracle on there, but the beat is hard where it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, I like Do-Rag Activity uh, with Travis Scott. Uh, I like the Don Tolliver song. Um, yeah, man, I feel like this was a really good album, man. And um, I feel like a lot of people not really familiar with Baby King. They, their first song, um, I guess their first introduction song to Baby King was the Kendra Lamar one with the uh, with the verse. But um, it's really good, man. I, I like it, man. Um, I think it's... I got to give it a qualify, man. Qualify. I, um, I, I would say check it out. Um, it's good gym music. I'm not saying you're going you know, <laughs> to learn math from it or anything mm-hmm. like that, but 
Um, and I ha- I hate to say that you know now now that I know that's Kendrick's cousin, I want to be comparing them to like oh yeah I can hear Kendrick and him and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, but you could tell he uh, he um, you know he younger. He, you say he was twenty years old. But he still got some lyrics to him. He got some creativity to him. It's it's not a typical rapper on drugs or lane or something like that, just going in the studio and just, you know, rapping about anything. He you could tell he got some content behind it. So um I say I say give it a listen, man. I, I like it a lot, man. I was I was really surprised about it. Okay. Okay. Um I like the album in general too. Um, I'm not as high on it as you are, though. Um, I have to say, man, a whole album, and I like uh, Baby Keem songs. Orange Soda is still a classic that'll get you going in the gym. Uh, there, there's song, there are songs that I feel like will play better in the, like a club-like atmosphere on this album. But honestly, for me, listening to a whole album of Baby Keem is a lot, and I, I was feeling a little fatigued at the end man um like i i'm not gonna say he's a bad rapper but lyrically he's very basic um i think he does a lot like you said he's inspired clearly by his cousin you know he switches up the flow i think he's gotten more experimental in his music and i'm not gonna knock a man for growing especially at 20 years old you know but uh a a whole album of baby king is kind of a lot and I was definitely feeling like uh, my my brain was turning into mush near the end uh, with some of these lyrics, man. So uh, I did really like Trademark USA. I thought that was a great way to pick up the or to start the album. I also love the beat. You know, I, I, it, it kind of feels like uh, the movie Blade Runner 2049, that type of because I love sci fi crazy music soundtracks and that sounded a lot like something that came from that movie mm. uh that and the song vent at the damn near end of the album mm. uh those, those are very futuristic cool sounding trap beats i like that i like baby came over those type of beats uh there were some more emotional songs that you know i couldn't really get into like a 20 year old dude talking about heartbreak it kind of like nigga do you even know what that is yet you know, yeah. you you too young like, in the game to know. I didn't like Lost Souls at all. Yeah, I didn't like <laughs> Lost Souls really. I didn't like Scars too much. Yeah. Um, there were there were quite a few skips for me on this album, I got to say. But I did like the features. I think Range Brothers might be better than the single they put out in Family Ties. Honestly, mm. you know, I, I I guess I understand why they put Family Ties out as a single, but I thought Range Brothers was better. In my yeah. opinion, and the top of the morning shit is classic, man. I, I, I thought it was a joke at first too, but in the song, I'm like, okay, this is this is actually a classic. Kendrick don't give a fuck no more, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now I don't know what his album gonna sound like if he getting uh, if he acting like this on features. But I thought it was funny, man. The memes were funny. There were some funny videos of like 1920s people dancing and it's saying yeah. top of the morning. Top of the, it was funny. So. Uh, I think he did that mainly for the memes because Kendrick is a smart guy. He knows what people make fun of. So yeah. uh, the Travis Scott song was good. Uh, Do-rag activity. I like the Don Tolliver song too. I think those sounds go well with him. I will say it's qualified. but Qualified. 
it, 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 I don't think I'm gonna revisit this whole album anytime soon. I, I will you put a few joints. songs. You got some joints. Yeah, got for the some Serato, joints. though. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I got some songs that's gonna be saved in a workout playlist. Yeah. Um, but if you're over the age of 30, uh, it, it might if be difficult to listen to this. If song. you're a hip hop like old yeah. school boom bap, yeah. <laughs> Timberlands and all that shit, hip hop guy. This album is probably not for you. If you're thinking, yeah. hey, this is Kendrick's cousin, so I'm going to get the Kendrick album. Yes. It's not a Kendrick not, album. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't let the Kendrick is his cousin, you know, throw you off. That's his yeah. cousin, but it is, it's, it's, it's damn near anti-Kendrick this, this, this Lamar. This is not to pimp a butterfly, too. Yes. Okay. It's not that sound. He is not that kind of artist, at least not yet. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, man, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. And to what you said earlier about the beat split, uh, I think it can get played out. And I did get a little sick of it on this album. Um, I think it works well on the intro. Drake likes to do that a lot. He did it on Certified Lover Boy with that first song. It works uh, when used sparingly. Um, Kendrick, his whole, I think a lot of his sound on To Pimp a Butterfly was based on that kind of thing too. I think that's kind of Kendrick's sig- signature, so I don't knock him for doing that because that's just what he does, and he's yeah. like the artiste so he can get away <laughs> with that fancy shit, yeah. but Baby King man, sometimes you just want to hear the beat that you came in rocking with, or sometimes that's the annoying thing, because if you want to hear a certain part, you either gotta cut it off after the part, after it yeah. flips, or you got to fast forward to the part that you yeah. like. And so, that gets a little yeah. annoying. What, uh, which part, I, I, I'm kind of switching artists here, but tra- the, uh, Sickle Mode by Travis Scott and Drake. Which part of that song do you like the most? Because it's three different beats on there. Yeah. <laughs> which part you think is the hardest? The Travis Scott part in the middle. middle yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, I mean the the yeah you have to say Travis Scott in the middle that that is yeah. the best part, man. Yeah. Uh, no, no offense to Drake. Drake Drake did his thing too, and that's a good song, man. But yeah, yeah the, the Travis Scott part is just too hard. That beat is too crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we both agree, man. This album is qualified status. Qualified. But, but uh, yeah, your mileage might vary if you are 30 plus. So keep that in mind if you're an older listener, want to listen to some new music because it might not be your cup of tea. Yeah. But hey, diversity yeah. is a spice of life, as they say. So give it a yeah. shot. Yeah. Um, Another song came out we could talk about real quick. Uh, Maxo Cream had a song with Tyler, the creator. Uh, mm. It is called... Uh, what's this damn song called? Oh, yeah, it's called Big Persona. Um, I mean, I think we both agree that this song is good. Uh, so we ain't got to go and analyze it. But I do want to know your take on this because I've noticed uh, Tyler is suddenly becoming more of like a typical black hood rapper. <laughs> and at first he would do this kind of jokingly. But I feel like now after he dropped his album, which was basically a DJ John mixtape, and now he did the BET Awards. Now he's doing this Maxo Cream hard ass rap song yeah. after doing Igor last album, which is way out the box and not even damn near a rap album even. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about this character shift for Tyler, man? Do you think it works for him? I think I, not only do I think it works for him, I think he's just more inspired now, man. 
We, uh, he talked about it before um, when he dropped the the last album. He mentioned how Griselda inspired him, <laughs> and I just think he inspired now. He, you know, he's looking into other rappers, and he's more open to you know doing more rap songs. And right now, um, I would say he's the uh, I don't want to call him the flavor of the month, but he's kind of you know he got that juice and. And um, a lot of rap people, uh, uh, or a lot of uh, hip hop fans, are really looking at him. People that never really cared for him that much. I was just talking to our friend of the show, Brandon Scott, and he said he was never really a, a Tyler the Creator fan, and uh, up until his recent album. And he like, damn, I think that might be the album of the year to me. That's be- he, he felt like that was better than the Kanye and uh, Drake album. So I think now um, Tyler, the creator, got those type of fans and he like, fuck it. I'm going to just, you know, capitalize off of that. I'm going to, you know, work with some of these, you know, like trap rappers or, you know, you know, I ain't going to do all the weird shit I was doing before. I'm going to just fucking rap. That's easy, man. It's easy to just rap about the cars, the girls and all that shit, man. Like it don't take that much to rap about that shit. And I think now he realizing how, you know, easy that is and how successful you can be just doing that shit. And um, me as a former artist, I kind of went through that, man, because I was the, you know, the conscious rapper at one point and, you know, all this. I was the real rapper. And once I start, once I made a song about lean, (laughs) that's when people was like, oh, shit, he's actually good. Mm -hmm. And they actually called on, and that's the one song that played on the radio. And it's like, damn, like maybe I need to start, you know, I actually thought about <laughs> like, damn, maybe I need to stick in this lane a little bit. And um, I think maybe he's probably going through that. Maybe he's more open. I'm not saying he's going to switch his whole style, but maybe he's more open to collabing with, you know, Artists like, you know, Matt So Cream or maybe uh, Lil Baby or, you know, artists like that. He, I think maybe he's more open to that because um, he he collabed with a lot of people, but it it wasn't like the Lil Babies, the people that was, you know, on the radio pretty often. So maybe maybe he leaning more towards that and just going to capitalize off the, um, the spotlight he's been getting. Could be. I, I just think it's funny as somebody who's followed Tyler basically his whole career that he is now the anti what he used to be in, in terms of definitely what he raps about. You know, he's wearing a big chain in the videos now. He is acting super. I mean, he always got kind of acted super ignorant in, in the shit, but <laughs> I mean, he's rapping about how many cars he got, how many houses he got. He where a Bentley he truck to, yes in the video he, yes and he's a like a big like he talked about that all the time he's big into cars now and collecting cars and buying cars and driving cars so yeah but that's definitely the anti tyler from oh oh nine or ten or whenever he first came out so yeah it's very interesting to see and i, I like it. the music is still good man yeah. uh so i don't even knock him for that so, yeah, but it's just very interesting to see him become what he used to make fun of in a way. But, I mean, yeah. that's what comes with fame. So Yeah, I will say this. Um, he will probably gain a lot of fans after this. He clearly did after his last album. 
but um, some of the original fans are going to probably step back a little bit and say, hey. Oh, man, yeah, definitely. Like, nah, I don't really like this new Tyler like that. And I like the old Tyler. I like the Wolfgang Tyler. And he definitely going to lose, probably lose some of those. But um, as far as, like, being this rapper in the spotlight, man, I think this gonna I think this gonna help him a lot, man. He I want to say a couple albums ago, he said song played on the radio was in rotation for the first time ever, and he'd mm-hmm. been out for almost 10, 10 plus years, mm-hmm. and that's insane because I look at him as a big artist. He's mm-hmm. a big festival artist to me, so um, and you know as an artist, I don't care who you are. A lot of people say, oh, as long as you make money. You know, it shouldn't matter if you play on the radio or if you got the fame. And all. Look, every artist would love to hear their song on the radio in rotation. Like, yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care how underground you are. Every, that's every artist's dream, to hear their song on the radio one day. And every artist have a dream of, you know, eventually being Grammy nominated. So um, I think he's starting to see more of this now. And I think he's just going to go with the flow. Yeah, and, and deep down, everyone wants to be loved by their own people. 100%. No, no matter what they say. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I'm sure it bothers a lot of black artists when they go to their shows and it's like 90% white people. Yeah. You know, of course, you appreciate your fans, and, but yeah. you want your people to you, be there for you, you too, man. And put, you want to be the talk in the barbershop, man. You want your, exactly. You want people t- in the barbershop saying how this album is fire or, mm-hmm. hey, you know, hey, for real, man, y'all sleeping on Tyler. Like you want to be that com- you want to be in that conversation, man. No, definitely, man, definitely. And he he's getting there now. He went to Hot ninety seven, which I don't think he had ever been to before. Did a whole interview there. So now nah, he's definitely reaching more out to the urban audience, I guess if you could say that. So it's really nah. it's really kind of fucked up, man. Because I never looked at him as a you know just out of the box type of guy. Where it's like, damn, like nah, he don't need to be on a rap station. I felt like he was rap enough to, you know, be invited to, you know, a, a, you know, a rap station. But I, I, what really opened my eyes was when he said that was his first time. When they said that was his first time performing at the BT Awards, and I was kind of like, "Damn, really? Like he never really he never performed on the BT Awards or been there?" I, I was I was kind of shocked at that. I know it wasn't mm-hmm. that shocking to you, but that's when I was like, "Damn." That's you know that's really shocking. So um, yeah, to me it was kind of it was kind of a shame because he to me he always made hip hop music, but it wasn't you know I guess it wasn't radio friendly type thing. So I guess maybe that's why he didn't really get that love he uh, you know got from you know black people I guess. I mean that was true for his whole camp. You know I feel like Earl is a dope rapper. And he makes more traditional sounding hip hop, but he don't have many black fans, man. Like he don't talk about typical rapper shit. So yeah. I don't know, man. Like uh, uh, sometimes I wish our people would be more diverse in their listening habits. You know, I wish it would be cooler to listen to some of these artists that you know we we're, we as hip hop has listened to. But you mm-hmm. know, uh, the only the only shows that are going to be major major like majority black people are going to be shows like the baby. Shows like NBA Young Boy, uh, shit like that. But sometimes you wish that the more lyrical miracle rappers got more black love too. But 
is what it is, man. It's like I hate to say it, but I feel like a lot of white people like more the hip hop sound than black people, man. That's a whole nother podcast, man. Yeah, we could go deep it, into that. It's weird because you know I I went to a lot of hip hop shows and. It, first of all, it'd be a lot of white people there, and not just for mm. the big artists. It'd be like the underground shit, and the white people be looking for the the hip hop sound. <laughs> it's just like, damn, it, you know, it, that always catch my attention as a black man because it's like, damn, this white person like Wu Tang or this he like that boom bap sound and all yeah. that shit, and um. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of it's certain white people who really like that hip hop sound, and they don't really care for the you know the new shit that's playing on the radio. So I think I mean, that I think that's kind of part of it too. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's true. Nah, Griselda definitely got way more white fans than black. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just call it what it is, man. White people like that. Sh- I don't know what it. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a thing where it's like, oh, this. You know, this is the original hip hop, so you know, I'ma stick with this. But um yeah, they you know, it's a lot of white people that really like that sound, man. And you know, that's why, you know, a group like Wu Tang got so many white fans and they got mm-hmm. so many Asian fans. Like those people <laughs> you could argue and say those people are the ones that's keeping the original hip hop shit alive. Yeah. Because I mean, we gotta be honest with ourselves. We you know, we like that sound, you know, because we're music fans, but a lot of black people don't want to hear that shit, man. They yeah. want to hear what's new, and they look at people like that kind of washed up a little bit. But uh, white people really appreciate that shit. White people love Bone Thugs and Harmony. Mm-hmm. White people love a tri- a tribe called Quest. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. So they just they just appreciate that s- sound. I hate to say it, man. I hate I'm saying this, but they appreciate that sh- sound more than we do. Yeah, uh I mean in a way, yes, definitely. I, I I do feel like they all those groups do have a lot of black fans too. But yeah, ultimately it is that. Um I don't like that's all in the pot. We could go yeah. down a rabbit hole for an hour just talking about that and uh but yeah i do agree and it, it is unfortunate and yeah. i do wish that uh they would get more yeah. like you, when you go to a roots show it's not gonna be many black people there yeah so and, that, see, that's very unfortunate and see that's my thing when you look at somebody like a tyler the creator or even earl earl sweatshirt to me that's hip-hop music man they're not mm-hmm. doing anything out the ordinary but most of their fans are white, and that's <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of strange, yeah. man. Because they not in there making pop music, <laughs> they not in there making you know music that's that's popular today. It's literally boom bap with a bunch of bass, and you know like a, a old school boom bap sound. And you know they got the white crowd, so what's you know what's attracting that? <laughs> And you know it, it's kind of strange, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, unfortunately, I think image is very important to a lot of black people as far as rappers go. You know, um, like the NBA young boy thing. I still don't get it. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't think he's that good. But he has all these diehard fans, man. I'm like, what do you see? Like, he has some good songs. Don't get me wrong, but his fan base is crazy, man. And, mm-hmm. and for what I kind of feel like, he's a run of the mill hood rapper to me. 
but they just love this kid's image for some He's reason, a guy, man. man. Yeah, same thing with people like uh, who are some other hood rappers I'm thinking of, uh, Young Dolph. Yeah, Young Dolph. You gonna see a, a you go to a Young Dolph show, you ain't gonna see yeah. many white people at all. Yeah. It's gonna be ninety percent black. Do you like uh, what about Rod Wave? Uh, I, I feel like he kind of up there too. A lot of people love Rod Wave, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, you know, I think I don't think his music is bad. But I'm just not really into it. Yeah. And a lot of people just like, man, I just feel right away. I, f- I yeah. feel him. He And he like pack out clubs and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't, you know. I, don't I know, think ma- it's. Maybe I got to go through an emotional thing or something. I don't know. Maybe because I'm married and mm-hmm. I don't really feel him on that type of shit. But a lot of people feel him, man. <laughs> Nah, it, it, I think it's the the hood image is very attractive to people. A lot, the, a lot of it is buried in image and delivery, and like Gucci Mane was in like that too. I think Gucci Mane was more lyrical than he let on, but he dumbed it down a lot because he knew what niggas like, <laughs> so yeah. he had to be like super hood and ignorant on these songs. But yeah, it, 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 I don't know, man. That that's a rabbit hole we can go down one day, but we yeah. we can never get out from that rabbit hole. We go down it, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, everybody gonna call us whitewash for our opinions on this shit. So let's go <laughs> ahead and move on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just like the nerd rappers, huh? <laughs> uh, so um, also, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about Michael K. Williams. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait! Before we get to that, we gotta talk about the uh, Andre Three Thousand song, man. The, uh, the oh yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, we kind of already talked about it, but we can kind of revisit it. Yeah. Uh, so how did uh, you feel Drake- about that song, man? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so for pe- background information, uh, Drake did apparently, I guess he has some kind of serious thing or something, some kind of stream, I guess, promoting his album. And apparently at some point he played a unreleased Kanye song featuring, uh, Andre 3000. Yeah. It's called life of the party. Uh, Con- uh, Andre kicks it off with a very long verse talking about, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, worded to Kanye's Mom. dead mother. Yeah. yeah. So it, I thought it was very creative. A very the only rapper to actually rap about Donda on Donda, besides yeah. Kanye, in a way. So <laughs> yeah, he actually tried to keep in theme with the album, unlike everybody else who was on it, yeah. who just talked about God sometimes. Yeah. But uh yeah, he did a great job on it. Uh Kanye's verse was very controversial and might be the reason why it didn't get included on the album. Uh he did he mentioned Drake several times by name. Dissed him, dissed Psy High. He basically, because Psy High, I, I guess he said, and I didn't even think this was a bad thing to say. Psy yeah. High said that, uh, according to Kanye in this song, Psy High the Prince said that Sicko Mode. Mode was the biggest song he ever did. And then I'm paraphrasing, but Kanye said, well, fuck it, because my only ghostwriter now is my mom, Donda. Yeah. So, so basically, to, to imply that he fired Psy High as a ghostwriter for a saying that Sicko Mo was the biggest song he did. But I mean, Sicko Mo was the biggest was, song he yeah. did. What was it's not like he said it was his that. favorite. It'll be, it'll be different if he said that was the best time I had writing a song. Yeah. If he said that was his biggest song, that probably was his biggest yeah. song. But well, name another bigger song than Sicko Mo that he exactly wrote on. <laughs> Uh, all the Kanye songs don't compare to what Sycamo was for a moment in time, man. So, yeah, yeah man. Uh, I didn't think that was that bad. That made Kanye sound kind of petty. 
Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of shade being thrown, and it was very strange because it didn't really mix well with what Andre was saying. Yeah. So I almost feel like these were two different songs that just got meshed together. <laughs> but uh, overall, man, I think this was definitely if it was included, it would have been the best song on Donda. The beat is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andre did his thing on it. Kanye was rapping. I mean, yeah, he was dissing, but he was rapping too. Uh, this would have been the best song on Donda. I don't know why it was left off, except for Kanye feeling a way about the disses after a, a certain amount of time. But this song was fire, man. This song was fire. It's unfortunate that it had to come out like this. It should have been on the album. What do you the, think about it? Um, I like the song a lot, too. Uh, I was kind of curious. I wonder if Kanye was... Saving this song for like a uh, another album or maybe a deluxe or something, or was it even finished? Hmm. Like I wonder if it because you know Kanye make a whole bunch of uh, versions of songs, so I wonder was he really attending to um, put this version out or did he have another verse to it? Because Tyler the Creator actually put out a post pretty much saying he liked the original version of uh, Life of the Party. Which I, I guess it wasn't this Kanye verse that we heard. So um, I wonder, um, because the, the other thing too, I, I really like the song a lot. And a lot of people was trashing Kanye verse. I really ain't think it was that awful where I'm like, man, I got to cut this shit off. It was just kind of crazy how he was, you know, it, it was a little strange. He was going at Drake like that. But um, I ain't think the verse is trash. But... Um, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, what was his direction with this song, man? Because he, I don't think it was no way he could put this on Donda. The the way because this was nothing, you know, holy about this verse. <laughs> and I know it would have all been blanked out, but um, I'm just kind of curious what was his direction when it uh, when it came to this and. I don't think he intended to um I don't think he intended to put this out at all yet. And um I think and I, the other thing too, I wonder what was Drake's intention, man, uh intention to put this song out to, to leak this song. Because it was a fire song, man. And I you said it was this would have been the best song on Donda. I think this would have been the best song on <laughs> out of all uh both of the albums to me. This was oh, yeah. yeah, I think this song would have been the best song or uh, you know, certified lover boy. So it was just kind of strange that Drake decided to leak this song like it was a, a garbage song or something. And he was trying to clown him for it. I I wonder what was his intention. It, he I wonder was he trying to show that, hey, Kanye ain't no choir boy like he been preaching. Or, you know, um, I've seen some other theories because he was when he released when he leaked that song, he was um, he was on Sirius XM. So I get I don't know if they was doing like a little Drake show and, you know, just playing some cuts off the album. And um, they said he played that song and then uh, Drake played, the um, you know, his um, Calabasas song or whatever. Mm-hmm. So 7 a.m. and wherever the fuck. It's 7 a.m. Yeah. in Calabasas, I want to say. But he, um, I guess he was trying to put out a timeline of, hey, Kanye said this about me, mm-hmm. so this is what I responded with type of things to show, like, hey, I didn't, you know, I didn't do this. He started this. 
So I'm, I'm giving you the timeline type of thing. But um, <laughs> I ain't going to lie, man. It kind of look to me, it kind of made Drake look bad. <laughs> it's like, damn, you released this song the day after your album drop. Mm-hmm. And this song is actually fire. And, and niggas got Kanye West trending again. And people like, damn, this song is hard. This song better. So um, I was wondering what was the strategy for Drake releasing that. And um, and then another thing, I feel like Drake's stance was, uh, they was kind of reaching a little bit because they were saying, oh, Kanye have no, you know, he was wrong for, you know, <laughs> rapping about what he rapped about on the song with Andre 3000 and blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, like if, if it's his song, he could do whatever he wants to. Drake did the same damn thing. With the uh, You Only Die Twice, I want to say, which is on the uh, Certified Loverboy album with Rick Ross and Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. And he was going at Swiss Beats, who are cool with uh, Lil Wayne and Rick Ross, who have a real good relationship with them. And he dissing Swiss Beats on that song. So I ain't really hear nobody talk about that. But, you know, to be fair, that's his song. So, you know... He, you know, I get. I guess it didn't get that much attention, so Rick Ross or Lil Wayne didn't have to put out an uh, apology for it. But Drake literally did the same thing Kanye did. I'm sure uh, Ross and Wayne didn't hear that song and say, "You know what? Ooh, like I'm not cool with that verse, man. You know, I have nothing to do with that." I'm sure they probably heard it for the first time when the album dropped. So um, it was just a little strange seeing Drake's stance kind of going to that, saying how Kanye, he wrong for that. It's like, damn. Like, first of all, Kanye didn't even put the the song out. (laughs) Drake released that song. So maybe, you know, that was his first, you know, recording of it. And maybe he had another verse for it where he wanted, you know, he wasn't even going to put that out. So um, I thought that was strange, but. As far as the song, man, I I like the song a lot, man. I wish it was on some type of streaming service where I could play it mostly all the time instead of going to YouTube, searching it. But um, I think it's a good song, man. We talked about it earlier. Andre 3000 is amazing (laughs) when it comes to, you know, painting the picture with his words. I was listening to that song, and I could literally see what he was talking about, man. (laughs) And, um... That's the type of shit that made me want to get into rapping again. Um, I wonder, um, he, he seemed like he's a little more motivated now. He's He said he want to, you know, work with all these people. He had, you know, I guess he had songs with Jay-Z or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I I, will, I wonder what a uh, Andre 3000 album would sound like in 2021, 20, or in this day and age. What, you know, what direction would he go in and, you know, how motivated will he be and the uh, production of it? Because uh, this this sound amazing, man. I, I liked it a lot. I wish it was on the album, but, um, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, I really enjoyed that song. Yeah, it was a good song, man. And as far as Drake's intentions, yeah, I do think it was trying to prove that he didn't just go at Kanye unprovoked. I think this song is probably his verse. He probably heard it way before. And that song was a response to the Kanye song. So, yeah, man, I think it was just him trying to, you know, 
put the verses against each other maybe and say, hey, there's a reason why I said all this shit. It wasn't just me taking shots <laughs> do, for no reason. Do you feel like and it pro- backfired? Uh, I mean, I he- guess. Mm. Uh, to be fair, yeah, that song was the biggest trending topic in music <laughs> that day and not Certified Lover Boy, whatever, that he was promoting. So, yeah, it kind of backfired, but I don't know. I think he's just trying to get in Kanye's head, and, mm-hmm. and that's probably not too hard considering he's bipolar. So I think he's just trying to fuck with Kanye at this point. Like people still think this beef is fake. I, I don't see how you can think that at yeah, this point. I, man. I thought so at some point, but I don't think it is now, man. Yeah. yeah. It's too much slimy behind the scenes stuff happening and allegedly happening for this to be some kind of publicity stunt. Yeah. And I feel like if it it was a if it was a publicity stunt, both sides would come out looking equally strong. And yeah. you would just, the fans would just have to decide who's better. Yeah. But no, I definitely think this is they just don't like each other and they're being petty. Yeah, and I thought about it a little more too. Um, if it was like all for pub, I felt like the the push the T stuff to me took it way too far. Yeah. And um, you know, we know Kanye is close with Pusha T. And um yeah, I yeah, I I I take back whatever I said. I thought they might have been, you know kind of made up behind the scenes, but just doing the 50 Cent thing, the 50 Cent versus Kanye thing. But I think it's, I think it's a lot of drama behind this, man. And um, they just, you know, they getting whatever. I, I don't know if Drake is paying whoever to get something from Kanye so he could put in a song or release something. I think, I think it's a lot of back and forth like that. I don't think it's no, no Biggie or Tupac type beef, but, I think it's really uh, a lot of drama behind it, and you know they just they just going back and forth like that. Yeah, man, um, and it's it just comes across as too petty for it to be fake. Like this is some passive aggressive stuff on both sides. So I just feel like if it was fake, it would be a lot more coordinated and more of a spectacle. But yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see how this unfolds. We'll see how Kanye responds. Hopefully, he does put the song out in a finished version. Uh, but we will see. And I do want to know if anybody answers uh, Andre's call about wanting to work with more artists because he put the call out there. So uh, we'll see. He should have us. He should have his verse on the song from one of them right now. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a week ago. Mm-hmm. He should. If I'm, he should be in the studio right now, recording for Little Baby. Um, whoever Kendrick, oh, I forgot all the people we named. Drake should have a verse right now. Kendrick should have a verse right now. Mm-hmm. Whoever he named should have a verse right now, man. Unless they just don't have the money or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he'll give a verse to Big Boy too. Who knows? Maybe we'll see a reunion That's at some one point. Person he should. <laughs> like, would you would you be cool with another Outkast album? Yes, of course. Yeah, I, I wonder what's up with that man. It seemed like he want to work here with everybody but Bit Boy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There uh, sometimes I wonder if they just are. are I mean, they they've probably grown apart so much that the chemistry might not be there anymore. And I think you could feel it in their last few projects too. You know that Idlewild album, and uh, even though that was their biggest album, uh, the Love Below and Speaker Box. You could tell they were separating creatively in yeah. those albums, and maybe they just grew apart 
I don't know. But yeah, I would love to see another Outcast album. I think I would see that. If, I would want to see that more than like a Jay Z collab or Drake. Oh, collab. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Andre can send out all the features he wants, but if we got a full album of him with Big Boy, I would take that over everything. 100%. I would take that over him, Kendrick, Drake, and Jay Z yes. on the same track. Yes. I'll give me another Outcast <laughs> album and I'm good on that. Yeah, it's like a real Outcast album, not you know, yes. not speaker box love below. Like yes, if it was a we, real joint <laughs> album, I would be man. Nah, and you know they would they would have everybody, man. They would have Anderson Pack on that bitch. They would have Janelle Monet on it. Like everybody would show out. Everybody want to be on a new Outcast album. It would be a huge event in hip hop. So yeah, hopefully that happens one day, man. They're they man. I get any younger. They got to figure out whatever they got to do and give us at least one last Outcast album. <laughs> but we'll see, man. Who knows. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's it for new releases. I know AZ made a new album. He did that thing we hate, where he named it after his a sequel to his classic album, Doer Dies Part Two. <laughs> so I ain't talking about that shit. I told Figgy to listen to it next week and let me know what he thinks, man, because I'm scared. What up, everybody? Got a very, very special guest joining us uh, again. We told y'all we're bringing the local town, the people you may have heard of, some people you may have not, and we putting y'all on game, man. And we have another special guest, a uh, a, a man from a, a legend, a legend in the making, legend, man. Uh, a legend in quite. the making. <laughs> <laughs> we have a legend in the making joining us, man. He is a uh, a Houston artist, singer, songwriter, singer, uh, jazz extraordinaire. Uh, HFPVA graduate, so shout ah, out to that. Right, <laughs> and uh, performs under the name Lapland, and also has a writing credit on the new Kanye album. So we're gonna ask him about that as well. But also get his, uh, you know, his whole musical journey, man. We don't just talk about rapping his podcast. We're trying to broaden y'all horizons. <laughs> Are y'all listening to the same shit every week? No, nah, we 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 we, we going to put y'all on something different, man, because yeah. it's about time. Just and, FYI, you're the third white person we had on this podcast, okay. man. So, yeah, so we to, <laughs> not trying to put you That's on the spot, pressure. but we're trying to expand a okay. little bit, man. We are, okay. man. I'll we try, are. I'll try to nah. keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have Josh Meese, a.k.a. Lapland, joining us today. Yes, yes. Give it up for uh, him. You, Give it up you. for him. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be here. Uh, thank you. Nah, we appreciate you making time for us, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, So uh, typically we we just kick it off by talking about how this past year has been for you. You know, a lot of artists giving us different responses. Some people, Mm -hmm. the pandemic and all that's been very hard. Some people, you know, they've been flourishing during this time. I don't see how because I was stressed the fuck out, but that was just me. (laughs) But uh, uh, how how have you been this last few years, man? How have you been maintaining Oh man, uh, I, I would say I've had better years than this last year. It's been it's been difficult, you know, for obvious reasons. But um, things are getting better. Things are getting better. Some work is coming back, and all that. Like um, I kind of went into childcare mode uh, when the pandemic hit. I have a four year old daughter, so Aww. my wife's work held up. Mine did not as much being a musician, so I was at home being a babysitter. So um, my daughter just went back to school this week. So whew, that's good, man. <laughs> I need a drink right now, actually, when I start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, that's, a, that's a tough age, man. You're grinding it out right now. Yes. So, hey, we absolutely we got to get to the shits, man. I ain't going to lie. So, Kanye, <laughs> uh, it was a text thread tweeted that um, I guess a, a Kanye engineer pretty much fired the um, uh, engineer pretty much because um, he was late. <laughs> 
So I just want to oh, ask you, is it hard to work with Kanye, man? <laughs> well, you know, I, is this stressful? Unfortunately, I, I've never actually been in the same room as him, which is pretty typical of these kind of records. Um, yeah. Usually there's different producers and groups of musicians kind of working in separate places. And as long as one of us has contact with Kanye, then then we're good. But yeah, I've never I've never met the man, unfortunately. Maybe I will <laughs> soon. I don't know. Yeah. So how, how did that um how did that come across? Because for people that don't know, you're um you got a writing credit on the right. song Hurricane, which is on Don. Right. Which is yes. I, I I would say probably one of the best songs on there. One of the songs they're Thank trying you. to push. And I, right. currently is number one, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh last I saw on Billboard it was number six, but okay. I think the label has not pushed any song in particular yet I, they picked that one this week to start pushing next week as a single so that's great news yeah okay um but as far as my like involvement in it um i kind of came to be involved uh because i work with a hip-hop producer named bj khalil um who i've known for maybe 10 years uh and i didn't start writing with him until i moved to la about five years ago um and even then i didn't see him a lot like Maybe three years ago, we were doing all these sampling sessions where me and a few other musicians would come in, play a bunch of stuff, different instruments, different ideas, you know, different sections. And we, man, we probably made 300 samples, 200 samples. And DJ Khalil kind of passed them around to his producer friends. And I'm not sure which producer it was that, that got it to Kanye, but uh, they picked one of our samples to write to. Uh, and this is back in 2018, and they they picked that sample and wrote Hurricane to it. So that was a while ago. So it's it's taken a while for it to come out. You know, there's been a lot of points when we didn't think it was going to make it or make the cut, but it did, luckily. So, so yeah. which one was the sample? Which part was the sample? Well, this is funny. I mean, you know, uh, the sample was in there up until about two weeks before it came out maybe or three weeks so that was a bit of a bummer not to actually hear the the music we wrote in it the the, the sounds we made in it but we are still considered writers because they wrote to our chords it's still all the same chord changes same bass line all that stuff they kind of they kind of took it and reorganized the sample kind of chopped it in a way to, to make it different so it worked as a song but uh yeah unfortunately we like i think it was the second listening party in atlanta I tuned into the to the live stream and the sample wasn't on there. I was like, ah, oh, shit. All right. Well, that's mm -hmm. okay. We still get credit. You know, it's 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 still all good. But it would have been nice to hear just one of the one of the sounds we've made in there. You know, so. So is there a, a legal reason for taking a sample out? Because it, it seems like the 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 definition of who's writing and who's not. Because for example, there's a lot of controversy about Drake's album. Because right. he supposedly, uh, R. R. Kelly had a uh, a writing oh, credit right. or some kind of credit on one song. But if you look into it, it was actually uh, O.G. Ron C. who does yeah. these chopped okay. and screwed stuff. And he did an intro that was sampled that was over an R. Kelly song. And they took okay. the R. Kelly song out. Yeah. But R. Kelly, for some reason, still had to get the writing credit because of, I don't know, something in it that, that still remained that resembled the song. So... Is it yeah, a yeah. is there like a legal reason why the sample might be taken out or or why do you think that is? I well in our case I think it was just like an aesthetic decision. Um, I think they wanted to make it a little more like kind of kind of bare bones, kind of skeletal sounding, which it is, which I really like actually. Not yeah. to, I mean I wish our sample was in there, but um, I I think they really used that as the raw material for the song. And then when you take it out, you might have other instruments 
playing the chords that we were playing in our sample or whatever, but we still, you know, we, we wrote that part of the music. So it's considered, you know, maybe in some instances they, they take stuff out for legal reasons, but this was just an aesthetic decision, I think, you yeah. know. And you said that sample was specifically created for that song, correct? It wasn't like a- It was not. No, oh, okay. it was not actually. We, we, we would just get together. It's almost like you, you get together and make a collage with your friends or you know, not that any of us are doing that as adult men, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like you're just finger painting or something as a musician and you just kind of make a, we made a bunch of little pieces of pieces of work, you know, and I don't know how many he sent around, but they were all just kind of off the cuff, you know, and they picked the one they liked to write to. And that just happened mm -hmm. to be one of the random ones we did. So it was all just kind of, kind of random. That's really interesting to me because I feel mm -hmm. like a, a lot of us, when we think of sample, we think of nineties boom bap, like, uh, a old James Brown record, a piece of that being right. looped, and that's the sample. Right. I don't think most people right. realize that most like pop music, period, including rap music, is taken uh, from somebody else's samples, but it's not from a widely distributed song or anything. It was just created. A bunch of people make samples to be sampled. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it's really it's really source material, you know. So yeah, I think the reason maybe you don't hear as many. And I don't know if this is true, because, again, I'm not like a hip hop aficionado, but I think the reason you don't hear as many like James Brown samples as you did before, I think it just costs more money to clear those. Yeah. You know? So uh, if you're taking somebody, a producer and a group of musicians sample uh, sampling of something they made, it's it's uh, it's an easier way to do it, maybe cheaper in a way, too. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, I 100% think that's the reason they're, they're trying to cut costs and save money. So <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so shoot, man, let, let's get into your history, though, man. I want to know mm -hmm. how you started, where your musical journey started. Like we had mentioned, you graduated from HSPVA, uh, have been well-traveled, mm -hmm. have performed with the many mm -hmm. legends, including Roger uh, Robert Glasper, which I want to hear uh, about as well. But uh, right. where did it all start, man? Where, where did your musical journey start for you? Uh, I mean, for me, it probably started when I was 10 and I started playing guitar. That was my first instrument. Um, I, did, I wanted to play drums first. My parents were not interested in that for obvious, for obvious reasons because <laughs> they're loud as fuck but uh i tried keyboard after that that wasn't quite for me and guitar sort of did it and you know i like a lot of kids in in the early 90s like i was watching mtv all the time and the guitar looked cool and you know i mean some of the music was maybe questionable when i was into at the time but uh it just kind of made sense to me i kind of I, I took a few lessons and i took to it and um kept working on it and after uh after the MTV stuff, it was probably like the Beatles, uh, like learning about older music. I think my parents had some cassettes in the house that I listened to, and that music really spoke to me. Um, and then that was all before high school. And then when I when I went to uh, HSPVA, um, I auditioned to get in, and I got in. And you know, there was no like rock rock and roll department there. It was either you studied classical music or you studied jazz. And I didn't know anything about really either, but I could understand that jazz was a lot closer to, especially certain jazz was a lot closer to the rock rock music I was listening to. And once I got in there, it took maybe a year, but I kind of got swept away with the jazz thing. I, lo I loved it, you know? Um, and it was a great environment to learn. And there were a lot of great musicians there. Robert Glasper was there when I got there. He's a bit older than me, but um, being around those guys every day and playing every day as much as we did really helped a lot even more so than music school and college, whatever, that, that really helped me out. 
So I, I listened to the um your album, the Lapland um album. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's kind of my um uh, I love that style of music, man. I listen uh-huh. to a lot of um I I love the group, I don't know if you heard of them, hospitality. Um I have heard of that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that, um it's a uh-huh. it's a really good group. It's kind of um maybe more of hipster type of music, kind of uh-huh. chill type right. of music. Um right. are you possibly thinking about making another album uh it's been a little while i mean for me to be honest most of the time when i've done that i've made i made one under my own name uh called wilderness under josh meese and then i made two more uh records under the name lapland and honestly that's been kind of a money spending venture not a money making venture and at this point, I'm a little bit older. I have a kid. It's like, uh, you know, yes, to answer your question, yes, I'd love to make another record. Uh, I don't know what that'll be or when that'll be. Right now, it's more like I need to make make a living. And usually that for me, that means being a sideman, meaning like playing bass or guitar with other people or writing with other people or, you know, what I'm doing with Khalil, like, you know, that, that would fall in with that. Um, and hopefully when you're doing that, there's artistic reward as well as monetary, you know, reward. So. Yeah. I get you. So, so where does your interest kind of lie musically right now? Is it still in making, creating music? Is it still in songwriting? Like, where, where is your uh, creative interest lie as far as music goes right now? Like, you, do you still want to perform live in front of crowds, or, or where are you at right now? Sure. Yeah, I would like to. I mean, I think it all, it all kind of feeds, feeds each part of it. You know, like um, playing shows with other people, backing them up is helpful playing the occasional show where it's you and your music, that's helpful. I mean, at the moment, I, I would say I'm not really writing a lot of song songs with like words and singing and stuff like that. Usually it's instrumental. Um, like a lot of the stuff up on my Instagram is kind of what I'm into right now. It's like I make these little videos that are sort of um, collage and the music is is maybe a little collage too. It's just kind of old, um, kind of synthy 70s music. A lot of it's drawing on old like Italian library music. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that stuff at all, but Library music is like, um, some people call it stock music. It's music that's sort of ready-made for licensing for film and TV and commercials and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of people have a negative, a lot of musicians have a negative association with it, but there's a lot of stuff like from the late 60s, 70s um, that that's really cool, really vibey, you know? So um, I think the fact that I like making that kind of stuff now is actually what made Khalil sort of like be interested in using me for some of this stuff, you know? which led to, you know, indirectly to the Kanye thing. I think it's, um, you can hear a lot of those sounds in hip hop from, from what, from my limited understanding of it. I think a lot of producers are using those, those sounds now, you know? So how did you link up with mm-hmm. Khalil? Um, through a, fr- a mutual friend of ours, who's one of the other co-writers on this Kanye track, uh, this guy, Dan Seif, who's a bass player, great musician. Um, I don't remember how I met Dan, but, maybe we played together or we had a mutual friend or something like that. I think Khalil heard one of my kind of singer songwriter albums. I think the one, maybe a really old EP I made, it was called superiority complex. And that had Robert Glasper on it, uh, playing some of my music with me singing. That was kind of the first record I made where I was singing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think he met me that way. He heard the music and liked it and kind of contacted me and we started talking. Hmm. You mentioned being independent and you mentioned how mm-hmm. your album was kind of a uh, money spending more so than earning. Uh, but yes. we also hear a lot of people. We talked to a lot of people on this podcast and they talk about how 
how it's easier and you don't need labels and you can always get on as long as you have a following and a fan base. And and you being somebody who is truly independent, what do you think about that? How do you you think about the, the music scene as far as independent artists go? Is it easier than it was or is it in, in a lot of ways more difficult to make, you know, a living? Uh, That's a, that's a great question. It's probably a cop-out answer, but it's kind of both, you know, it's easier in the sense that as far as making music, you have access to a lot of, a lot of great gear now, as far as, you know, this cheap, you can get your music out, music out easily and cheaply, and hopefully some people can hear it. But then the downside of that is so many more people are making stuff and it's kind of just more crowded. Not a lot of those people aren't worth a shit, you know, <laughs> like to be honest, like a lot of the music yeah. that's coming out is, is garbage, but, but there's just a lot, a lot for people to sift through, which I think makes it harder. Um, I like to think that like, if you're making something good, eventually you can find a way to get, get it to people, you know, um, that's, that's tough though. That's a tough thing. That's a, that's like a riddle. I haven't, haven't always figured out, you know, for myself, but mm. So what yeah. what are some other uh hip hop artists have you worked? I know you're not really that fluent in hip hop, but what are some other hip hop artists you actually work with? Um well, you know, it's funny like it's I'm, I'm not willfully ignorant about what's going on in hip hop, but I will say it's nice to show up to Khalil sometimes and not know who the fuck anybody is. <laughs> Cuz then it's just you're approaching it like a, just let, let's make something cool. You know, if it's somebody that's a big deal, like I'm usually sort of aware of it, somebody will tell me, but but I like not knowing anybody's name. Like I, I learned their name, but not really knowing the history of, of what they do. We just kind of get together and try to make something good. So, um, you know, for me with Khalil, I kind of have dabbled over the years. I'll, I'll go in for an amount, you know, a few months, kind of a lot, and then I'll, I'll back away and do some touring with somebody else or other stuff will get in the way and then I come back. Um, I'm trying to think, like we did some stuff for Logic, um, Big Crit, we did some stuff for him. Oh, wow. um, there's a lot of stuff we've done that just doesn't, you think it's going to go somewhere and it doesn't end up on the record for some reason. Um, and I mean, Khalil's in this world all the time. He's done stuff with a ton of people. Um, kind of the most like, you know, he, he's had some tracks on Kendrick Lamar records. He's, I'd have to like look at a list. I know he worked with Eminem and Dr. Dre and, um, he did some stuff on that first Anderson Pack record, which is really cool. Um, okay. He does a lot of shit I don't even I don't even know about, but you know, yeah. I think the fact that this thing we just did got placed on a Kanye record will, I think we're going to be more focused on doing more of it together, you know, with the same group yeah. of people. Um, yeah, he and I think had, it maybe will help us had, get some other. Yeah, he also had a big single with the um the man. I'm the man. I want to say Aloe Black. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That was a huge record. <laughs> It was, yeah, yeah, that was. Um, and it was kind of flukier than the Kanye thing. Because um, I think nobody knew who Alan Black was at the time. I think what did mm-hmm. it for that was like that song being licensed and those uh, those Beats commercials, you know, the, the headphone yeah. commercials mm-hmm. that really yeah. like, that really did it. Um, but that was yeah. a huge, huge success for them. Mm. Less writers involved too, which is always, which is always good. If the, if the record does well, the less people involved, the better for the writers, I would say, you know. Mm-hmm. This Kanye track, when I, it's like eleven writers when I yeah. look at it, and I don't, I don't know what half, who half of them are, but you know, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, yeah, yeah. It's crazy because when I listen to that Lapland al- album, you know, I'm a former mm-hmm. rapper, and me, okay. uh, I used to love rapping over anything. I could rap over anything, and I right. always wanted to rap over stuff like that, 
But, uh-huh. you know, me being from Cleveland, Ohio, I never knew anybody that did anything like that. I only okay. knew, like, the Fruity Loops producers who can right. make, you right, know, right. hip-hop trap beats. So yeah, I was, sure. was kind of stuck like that. But um, I was amazed uh-huh. by the um, the stuff you put on that album, man. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Khalil loves that shit. It's not just for him. It's not all just like trap beats. That's an element. I mean, I feel like the trap element isn't is everything now. It's kind of like mainstream. But uh, yeah. Khalil loves using acoustic instruments and like just whatever what he's, he's open to using, whatever makes the song different or whatever makes it work, you know. Yeah. And it's cool to work. He's not a trained musician, so he kind of speaks a different language than uh, some of the players do. And he kind of thinks about stuff in a different way. It's it's really cool to work with somebody like that. It gives you a new perspective on on making music. Yeah, it's crazy because I'm kind of I would consider myself a retired rapper because I don't be rapping Uh like that. But the last beat I rapped over, it was a couple months ago and I was just messing around. Uh But it was a. a, It was, I forgot the name of the song, but the group was called Beach House. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And, uh, That's cool. I actually, I actually rapped over one of their beats. I, I send it to nice. you whenever I get a chance. But um, yeah. I love that shit. That's, yeah, that, I just that has, like, has a vibe. I yeah. like rapping over stuff like that. Sometimes I get tired of the regular hip hop beats, the typical hip hop beats. But sure, uh, right. I love rapping over stuff like that, man. <laughs> Well, when you when you say the last time you rapped, I mean you still like you must rap in the car all the time or in the shower. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I ain't right. gonna lie, I'm kind of like Andre Three Thousand. <laughs> I gotta get inspired. If I hear right. a, a really good song, no matter if it's hip hop, if it's rock or something like that, um, right? Sometimes I'm like, damn, I, I love that beat. I could rap over that. Yeah. And sometimes I kind of freestyle in the car a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not not to, you know for me not to sound like a some out of touch like old man or something oh, you know the thing i love about hip-hop whatever <laughs> I, I, lo- I, I love that i love that it is like a collage people you know a great hip-hop producer can take all these these disparate elements and combine them into something that i would never think of i think that's incredible you know that's what that, for me i probably listen more to the the beats and the, and the music and hip-hop tracks more than the the rapping i would say which which i'm probably missing out you know um yeah but I love that element of it. It's it's always surprising. Like hearing what Khalil does with what we come up with, I would never have thought of that shit. And I mean that in a good way, not like it's fucked up, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's always surprising. So anything's fair game, you know, it's like No, nah, it's definitely true, man. And honestly, a lot of that credit goes back to Kanye as well, because he was the one who was pushing non-traditional sounding you know, things to rap over right. back when. Right. And he got heavily criticized by a lot of people in rap. You know, when Yeezus first came out, Clue people me. were like, we just uh-huh. did not know what was going on with that album, man. <laughs> the elements were just so out of this world at the time. Sure, uh, right. But he's definitely one of those artists who who will push the boundaries and and, and use non-traditional sounding. Uh, what, what, what we're used Absolutely. to in rap and, and push the sound forward. So we always appreciate him right. for that. He's a visionary, um, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. He's a lot of things, but he is also a visionary. <laughs> right, so we did. Right. Good, <laughs> so, and, good yeah, and bad, all, all of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what uh, when you work with Khalil and y'all mm-hmm. are working with an artist, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. how sometimes you think uh, something will be picked or, or something's going to be used and it's not. Like, how does that mm-hmm. work? Uh, you don't have to say, like, you're going right for what you get paid or whatever, but 
do you still get paid if you do work for an artist and it's not used for an album or is it just only if they pick what you made that you get something back from it? I mean, in my limited experience, it's, it's all spec work. You, you, you mm. throw a lot of time, time in the well, maybe for nothing and maybe for something great. So you really kind of only get paid if they use it. Um, oh. and, it, it and usually it's like a writing credits. It's something on the back end. It's not going to be like, yeah. you, you, they don't buy you out or anything like that, which in the case of this Kanye thing is great. Cause like the back end is, is much, would be much better than just like, here's a flat yes. you know, thing. So, right. I get you. I get you. What was your mm-hmm. initial thought when you found out you had the writing credit or he was going to use, you know, your sample on his song? I was, I was excited. I mean, shit, I was super excited. Um, that, that was in 2018. He put this video up on Instagram where he was driving around in Chicago and in the studio and it was using our sample where you could actually hear the sample. Uh, and he was singing the part that the weekend sings now himself like double tracked you know to kanye singing it not auto-tuned no pitch correction nothing like that uh and just that alone i was like oh shit you know like i've made it or what you know which is which is silly (laughs) it was just an instagram video but the thought was that that was going to be on his next record and i think later on like he was going to put out a record after this appearance on snl maybe in early 2019 or late 2018 and the, the, the whole performance didn't go super well. Something happened. I think he had some kind of moment uh, during the show. Yeah. And he, did, he didn't put the record out at midnight when he was supposed to or when he said he was mm-hmm. going to. So I was like, oh, fuck. All right. You know, there it goes. Like, you just watch it evaporate. Like, I just assumed that was it. And then he moved on to do the Sunday service thing he was doing yeah. with the choir and all that shit. And he, he made a record of that. So by then, I, I'd forgotten about it completely. Um, and then like my my sister-in-law or somebody who follows hip-hop shit like told me oh yeah Kanye's gonna do a listening party in the stadium where the Falcons play you know on this random night and uh I started texting with with Khalil and my friend Dan who's involved too and they're like yeah it's you know it's gonna be on the record and they made a music video for it I think I don't know if I'm supposed to say Mm -hmm. that I don't know what happened to that but basically it like got me excited again like oh shit it's back it's it's still on the record and I think maybe on the first one, the weekend wasn't on it yet, and it was still Kanye singing like auto-tuned. So then he went through his whole process, moving from you know stadium to stadium, <laughs> and uh, he did three listening parties, and, and the track kept yeah. changing. You know, by the second one, the weekend was on it. Our sample was not in it anymore, and then by the third one, it was kind of had had solidified. So just that whole process was kind of a roller coaster of like, oh, well, shit, oh, we're gonna get it, oh, we're not, you know, like getting excited then forgetting about it getting excited again so i can't believe it actually came out you know um it's a great feeling definitely i mean i've, I, I've never been part of anything that's that commercially successful usually it's more like kind of weirdo indie shit yeah. so you know that's good so how do you feel about that because me and figgy go back and forth about it a little bit about the uh the listening party type thing some people think this might be the future uh, of how records are broken now we might see more mm. artists do you know some listening events and then change the album as the weeks go by but some right. people are like i don't want anybody to hear it until it's finished you know and, and that's how yeah. i kind of was with the yeah. with the arena listening i know people who listen to all of them all three of them but me right. i'm like i want to listen to the finished product 
and, and know what it's like when they were finally done with it. So how do you feel yeah. about that? I mean, if it were me, I would, I'd probably wait till I'm done with it and then, you know, just drop it like a bomb. But mm-hmm. with him, he's so huge. He can kind of do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, he sort That's of sets true. the tone for how he wants to do it. And uh, I thought it was at least for me, it was a little like nauseating week to week, wondering <laughs> if it's going to come out or if it's going to change or what they're going to, Oh, maybe they're going to change the chords now. And we won't have any fucking writing credit on it. That was, that was, that kind of got, got my nerves going, you know, mm. but I thought the whole I thought the whole process was pretty interesting to watch him change it. Uh, I don't know if it's on purpose or or not, but he's a brilliant like marketer. Like the stuff he was doing in the yeah. basement, and mm-hmm. then he recreated his setup in the basement on the floor of the arena for the next. Show. I thought that was pretty brilliant, you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if anything, it's interesting. Even if you don't like it, it gets it gets people kind of talking about it. So he's he's a genius at that. You know, he seems to just have a natural ability to get people's attention. So that doesn't answer your question, but I, I get just you. another I way to do you. it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Good luck. Cause we say the same thing. It's like Kanye can do whatever he wants, yeah. but I don't think yeah. that's going to work for every artist. Yeah. You know, not everyone can. No, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant idea because this, this yeah. ain't like a typical concert. This is like a, Hey, you know, I just created an album that's not out yet. So come out to mm-hmm. my album listening party, which is a concert and I'm gonna perform everything. You can hear it exclusively right. i i feel like that's a great idea but i it don't is. i yeah. don't know if anybody everybody can do that i don't know if a um little baby can pull that off or yeah you know yeah. name anybody that's not a huge star can pull that off but i think very, the, very I think few. the concept yeah, is i think the concept is brilliant because usually yeah whenever an artist releasing an album it's like a private listening party where it's only a few people and right. it's not a lot of access, but if somebody told me that, hey, uh, let's say Bun B, uh, let's say Paul Wall was doing a right. concert, which was a listening party for his new album, I would be, I would be like, okay, let's, you know, let's go. You know, right. I, I think that's a brilliant idea, but I don't know how labels would feel about that doing that. Probably, uh, yeah, probably, they probably don't like mm-hmm. it. I mean, he's yeah. he can kind of do it. He's he's above the yeah. above the law in that way. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's such a flex too to yeah. sell out a stadium just to play and, a rec- unfinished the, record. The, it's such like a the crazy, power move. You the know? crazy part about it is uh, a lot of the songs that's on the album people heard already. I didn't yeah, watch right. any of the streams because I wanted to hear the album. But a right. lot of the out, a lot of the um, stuff he played on the stream was uh, was on the album. So if you watch the stream, you heard the album already, and you right. know maybe it wasn't mixed, but you you heard all of the songs. So it was you did. Kinda, yeah, it was interesting. Interesting to see people yeah, fight about so, what they liked about the tracks and stuff before you yeah, change them. Like it was kind of like an open, yeah, not like an open rehearsal or something like that, where he yeah. gets feedback. And I don't know if he took any feedback into account from just regular, you know, people yeah. on message boards and shit like that but yeah so i'm kind of curious i'm kind of curious if um i don't know i'm kind of curious if um other people can pull can pull that off probably not yeah maybe one or two other maybe drake could you know i mean it seems like he can he's i don't know it'd have to be somebody right at the top of the heap you know um a special artist to be able to do that yeah No, definitely like it. Yeah, it would have to be one of the top people. Drake, Drake is one mm-hmm. of these people who's a perfectionist, so I don't think he would ever put out unfinished music. But you know, Kanye's right. a lot more experimental like that. So yeah, he definitely 
is, is somebody who who could get away with that, and we would still accept it. Right. Uh, sure. So, how do you feel about like going back to you being an independent artist? Um, mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel about the streaming era we're in right now? Um, a lot of people think it's you know kind of anti-artist. And the fact mm-hmm. that, number one, music has become, like you said earlier, more disposable, a lot more people in it. And also that they are, you know, hogging so much revenue for themselves that when the check comes, like some artists will show their check from streaming. And it's like literally cents, you know, not even right. a dollar from a, a right. record that's actually pretty big. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about this streaming era uh, of music? Do you think that the is contributing to the, I guess, the... Uh, less in quality of music these days or, or do you think it, it can be a positive thing as well i don't know if it's affecting the quality of music i you know i don't i don't like it i mean it, it's uh it's so hard to make a living it was so hard to make a living with music before this that it, this yeah. really makes it much harder so i feel like you know on one hand like fuck spotify stuff like that but at the same time i'm greedy and i want to check all the shit out so i i have a spotify account i have tons of playlists on there that's how i find all this stuff you know like which is incredibly hypocritical you know um so it's a useful tool but it it really is not very artist friendly you know um so yeah it's 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 a bummer man i i don't i don't like it i don't like it overall but it's a it's that is that's what it is it's too late now you know you can't undo it it's not like you can take all that stuff away so yeah, not 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 good for artists. Not good for independent artists. I would say you have to kind of rely on touring, live revenue, or like selling merch, shit like that. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, I think the days are over of being able to just like release a record every few years and kind of like not really tour much. And you can't you can't do that. You have to do all the stuff to just to cobble together a, an existence. No, that's one hundred percent true, and I, I kind of feel bad mm-hmm. because I'm a you know we're music fans here, and mm-hmm. I used to buy albums just like everybody else, and now they don't really sell physicals anymore. So you know, usually right. I have a Spotify account too. So nine 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 a month, I can listen to all this music I want from any artist right. I want. But then you realize, wow, they're not really getting anything back from this. I'm not really supporting no. these artists as, at, at all. So there's definitely right. some guilt attributed to it as well. But yes. I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, I want to say Mariah. Well, even, I want to oh, say sorry. Mariah Carey got um for her that Christmas song, which is the uh-huh. I, I want to say that's the biggest streaming song ever. I want to yeah. say I don't even think she got a million dollars for it, man. Probably not. <laughs> and that Probably was, not. I mean, I look at yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the biggest oh, streaming song ever, which is that all I want for Christmas is you. And she, I want to yeah. say she got like maybe uh, a half a million for it. Right, yeah, which for like, her is like yeah nothing. that's yeah, yeah, yeah she wiping her ass with that money right right yeah it, <laughs> it was kind of wild i'm like man it, yeah i mean they have these like spotify calculators online where you can put in how many plays something got and the, just the you know if you you can have like 40 million plays and it's like here's fifty thousand dollars you know whatever yeah. which sounds like i mean that's a lot of sound that sounds like a lot of money to me but for all those plays that's that's nothing yeah, she, it's, you she know. made six hundred thousand dollars <laughs> around right. that time between right. six hundred thousand and a million for that song oh man and that's yeah i yeah. want to say that was the biggest song in the history of streaming <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's you know a normal person that'd be a lot of money for them but 
you know, for her, that's nothing. I, you know, yeah. and most people are not going to have that many plays, you know, nobody, yes. she's the top one ever. Nobody's going to have that many plays. So it's just, it's kind of impossible. You really have to tour, yeah. um, especially if you're in the world I'm, I'm mostly in, which is like the indie kind of like folk world, you know, um, mm. you have to do so many other things. I mean, for me, I have to play gigs as a sideman. Like I said, I have to do stuff, the stuff with Khalil, which I, you know, so a lot of the stuff I actually enjoy doing too. So it's not like it's terrible, but I have to teach, I teach music sometimes too. I, you know, I teach at the, the college I went to in New York sometimes uh, remotely. Um, every musician I know that's, that's making a living has to do, you have to do like five or six different jobs just to equal a, a modest mm-hmm. income, you know? Yeah. So what do you, um, so the genre of your music, what do you call it? Because I never understand. I know I like that music, but I never knew what uh-huh. to call it. <laughs> I usually just put that, in a, a name of a group in Pandora and it usually right. play all the music I like. So what is the genre? Is it just, Man. just indie rock or how, what do you call it? I, that's a great question. I mean, I kind of hate that shit. Like the whole, mm. like, oh, you know, it's, uh. I can't even think of a, of a genre right now, but I don't usually think that way. But um, when I've seen people label my shit before, like, you know, wherever, if it's up somewhere, like it'll say like indie folk or indie, mm-hmm. I don't, I, it's all, it's kind of bullshit. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like to think of it that way, but yeah, I, I would say indie folk, you know, some shit like that. But then I'm sure if you type that in, you'd hear all kinds of stuff you don't like at yes. all. It's not at all what you're talking about, you know? Mm. folk music has a negative connotation to it i feel because when you yeah, think of that uh-huh. you think of some old redneck in the barn strumming a banjo or <laughs> oh, something shit. you don't think of like okay. any kind of progressive music so maybe, right, maybe it's right. just how I, how I hear it but like sure. i do I, I do enjoy that type of music like the type of music you make but when you hear mm-hmm. folk music like somebody says i got this new folk album you're not gonna be like uh-huh. oh shit let me, i gotta put it on right now yeah no, so, I know what you yeah. mean. I mean, the reason I stopped using just my name, Josh Meese, which is a kind of a terrible name to use because nobody can spell it. But mm-hmm. when I would say it, people would think a picture a guy like on a stool and like a coffee house mm. playing acoustic guitar, <laughs> which, yeah. I, which I've, I have played in coffee houses before. I play the acoustic guitar, but like, I don't want people to picture that, you know, mm-hmm. it just puts, it puts an image in people's minds. And for me, that's a negative image. Like, I don't want to play in a fucking coffee shop with an acoustic guitar. That's like, that sounds depressing to me. I mean, what you're describing, like a, a hick in a barn, like, you know, I, I think if you say I play country music, that's maybe what people would think or folk. I can see that, too. Um, I, get, I get why we have the names. I mean, you got to classify. People love to classify things. You got you have to kind of do that just to navigate all the different music that's out there. But it's tricky, you know? Yeah. No, we're definitely in like the genres are all blurred now anyway even rap mm-hmm. half the time isn't rap you know i feel yeah. like if somebody is singing mm-hmm. on a song the entire time that's not really rap but it uh, still yeah, gets yeah. called rap right. because you know it's urban music so right it, it's, it's kind of a mess yeah that is kind uh, of a mess yeah right um yeah, yeah. I mean, is there a ratio for you of like the singing to rapping? <laughs> if it's if it's more I mean, it's, singing it's, to rapping, then it's not. It, it's really tough, man. Because when you listen to a, a Drake album and it's like maybe fifty percent rap, I'm mean, a fifty percent singing. It's mm-hmm. like, is this an R and B rap? I mean, is it an R and B album or you know? Yeah, it, yeah. It, right. it, it's really tough, and then you got people that's kind of rap singing. You know, they got the right. auto tune and they sound and they pretty much singing, but it's kind of a rap sing type of style. 
It's right, like, is right. this really hip hop? Is it really rap? Is it, you know, is it R and B? And that was the I mean, I was actually talking to somebody about Nelly and mm-hmm. how he was, you know, he was kind of ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole bunch of hip hop artists that's like, oh, that ain't rap. You know, you had KRS one saying that's not rap. <laughs> and now, right, right. now you got people that's singing more than he did. And you right. know, Right. So it's like, is that, you know, is that technically rap or, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a crazy debate at the end, of, at the end of the day, it's like, do you, do you like it? You know, does it speak to you? Then, and then if it does, doesn't matter what, what it's called, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would probably gravitate to a hip hop track that did have more singing because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. more, I'm more drawn to the R and B side of things, you know, like Stevie wonder was a huge influence yeah. for me and Sly and the family stone shit like that. So and I love mm-hmm. I love melodies of all kinds, so that I'm drawn to that. And you know, um, I can relate to it more. So it's like I've, I've never even thought about that. Like, oh shit, is this track hip hop or is this R&B? It's like, well, I mean, it might have elements of both. Ideally, maybe it would have elements of both. Maybe there's something something for everybody in the track. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. a tough one. I, th- I think it depends on the beat, the astral, the instrumental, uh-huh. because if right. it's like a rap type of beat, uh-huh. then I, uh, you know. If they singing a little bit, but kind of rapping, I will put right. that more towards the hip hop, you know, genre than anything right. else. But if sure. it's like a rock beat, you know, it's more of the uh, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say, oh yeah, this is hip hop. I think it's yeah, more, sure. I, I think it's more of a yeah. I think it depends on the right, beat. right, right. Well, yeah, it depends on what you like. If you don't like that, then I don't, you know everybody's definition is different you know it's uh for me i just have to find some if i can find something i like about it or something that that i learned from it then it's it's good it's just for me it's kind of good music not not good music bad music but sort of you know like Mm -hmm. does it speak to me does do i kind of find an element that i that i'm drawn to then it kind of doesn't matter what what it is like you know for me i try to listen to all kinds of music and learn learn from it because as as a musician I'd, i'd be stupid not to not to do that yeah, definitely. I think people only really mm-hmm. care during award season because we right. see groups and and people who are being put in categories they don't really belong because, right. you know, of maybe whatever reasons, but you see country artists that aren't really country. You see rappers that people in a rap category that are just not making rap like that. So people only really care right. when it comes to Grammy season. They're like, wait a minute, this is not a this is an R and B album. It's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of country music, but it's not like the shit that's on the radio now that's country music is not has nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it's really they're talking about blue jeans and a pickup truck, but aside mm-hmm. from that, and maybe they have a twang in their voice, but there's <laughs> nothing. It's it's like a fucking Britney Spears track or whatever. That's an outdated yeah. reference. But it's like a pop track. <laughs> with a dude with a drawl that's talking about his grandma yeah. and his pickup truck. And that's supposed to be country music to me. That's, I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like maybe I probably have a stronger opinion about that because I know more about it. And I'm just like, well, that's not like Hank Williams or that's not like some old school country shit that I like. That's some, that's some like modern Nashville bullshit, you know? So I get that. That makes sense. To be honest, man, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The The rap sound uh-huh. has permeated everything for better and worse. Uh-huh. For a lot of, oh yeah. I mean, the, the 808s, or like I, you hear, like you said, you hear country music and you hear 808 drum patterns on right. country music now. I'm like, yeah. wait, what, what's going on here? Florida, Georgia line. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And it's right. crazy because I'm not a country music fan at all. I respect yeah, yeah. it a lot, but I, right. I just can't get with it. But the ones I do like <laughs> are the um, Keith Urban's 
in the uh, okay. Florida Georgia lines where I'm just like, okay, I, I can actually get with this, but a you lot of real, the feeling of it. Yeah, yeah a lot of right. a lot of real country fans is like that ain't country. <laughs> like I can't get with that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You know, I try to not get stuck in that shit. Like, oh, that's not that's not rock and roll enough, or that's not country enough, or that's but but it's it's inevitable. I mean, you know, yeah, there are certain things you expect to hear when you hear. If you tune into a hip hop radio station, there's shit you you want to hear. You don't want to hear like Toby Keith on there. You don't want to hear <laughs> some other shit. You know, I don't know. I know you you hear uh, uh what's Swift. that song? Uh, Tennessee Swift, yeah. whiskey gets played on urban radio too. So you never know. Okay, <laughs> you hear that song a lot on 102 <laughs> over here in okay. Houston. So. Man, I don't even I don't even know that. I, I'm so ignorant. I'm like an old man when it comes to music. I feel like everything I listen to is from the 60s and 70s. So I'm just like, whoa, what's that? Like, so is that a country? Is that a country track? I, I, I guess you would. I guess you would call it that. It's yeah, what well, Chris Stapleton, it, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that song is played a lot in urban, but it's it's definitely not. I'm not surprised you haven't heard of that song. It's been everywhere, man. You probably heard it and just didn't realize what it was called, but I'm sure you've heard it somewhere. I probably, yeah. Walking around in a grocery store. Yeah. It's it's amazing how old I feel, you know, just walking around. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? You know? I'm the same way. It's funny (laughs) because uh, with us doing this podcast, it kind of makes me listen to more newer music because if Uh I wasn't doing this podcast, I would probably stay in the. Probably the '90s, 2000s, the '80s. When it comes to music or '70s, I could go. Right. I could go far back. My I, the furthest I could go back is the uh, the '60s. But okay. now yeah, with yeah, me doing that. this podcast, I got to check out the newer artists. Sure, <laughs> and, that's and good. Stuff like that's that. Good. But but my comfort zone is you know the '90s, the '80s, the '70s, the '60s. Yeah, yeah. I I just I mean love, if I was smart, I would do that too. Since music is supposedly what I'm doing for a living, like. But I will say with the hip hop shit, with what I do with Khalil, I kind of like not knowing what the fuck is going on because then I'm just approaching it in a musical way. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to do this thing that I just heard on this record on the radio. It's more just like, oh, what do I like yeah. right now? What weird shit am I listening to? Not that I'm going to play, you know, the banjo or some shit like that mm-hmm. or like, you know, um, whatever. But but ignorance is bliss sometimes, you know, just not <laughs> as a musician. You kind of find your lane and you figure out what you like. But. I would actually love to have an excuse where I had to listen to new shit just, to, just so I know what's going on. And especially having a child, if she gets older, she's it's going to turn into just like, oh, dad, yeah. you don't know what the fuck. You know? <laughs> yeah. Listen to all this music and I'm just going to be like, be like a grandpa, you know, yeah. whatever. So That was some good stuff from Josh Meese. Make sure you check his music out. Lapland. Um, he got a lot of projects out. Uh, super talented. Check out um, the song he got the right writing credit from on uh, Kanye's album. It's a song called Hurricanes. It's one of my favorite songs on the album. Make sure you check it out. And speaking of checking it out, you can check out the rest of that interview on our YouTube page. Uh, just search Gems and Juice to hear the rest of that full interview, man. It was a long conversation. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Now it's time to time to make it more somber, man. We gotta talk about the uh passing, the tragic passing of Michael K. Williams, also known as Omar from The Wire. He also played a bunch. Of, I mean, if you watch HBO in the last five to ten years, station, man. you will see him a lot. And he was in Boardwalk Empire, yeah. he was in a few other shows the Night as well. Of. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, I forgot all about that show. Yeah, man. That I was, was into it too when it first too. came out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in a lot of HBO stuff. Um, he did a DMX tribute. Yeah. Uh, 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 for that, played uh, in Law and Order at one point. Man. Yes. <laughs> He he had a legendary career, man. But of mm-hmm. course, people will mainly know him for the wire for that iconic Omar character. So uh yeah, very Omar tragically coming. passed away. Omar coming. <laughs> Omar yeah. Coming. I have a hot take on that character, man, uh, but I I'll, <laughs> I'll let it sleep for now because we're remembering him. So uh <laughs> say that at the end, man. Tell us yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but yes, that no for real though it's very sad that he passed away i think it's shocked to everybody this is a chadwick boseman level shock honestly yes. man he's one of our great black actors and he has such a promising career ahead of him and it's very sad that it got cut so- short um apparently i mean i don't want to put anything out there if it's unofficial but people are saying it was likely a drug overdose i think people are suspecting fentanyl was uh spiked in one of his you know basically the, the mac miller effect I'll put yeah. it like that. Like it's very Mac Miller type uh situation here, unfortunately. But uh gotta remember the good times, man. Um so what what were your what was your reaction when you first heard this news, Figgy? I was shocked, man. I seen it on social media. I seen somebody retweet an article which was a reliable resource. And I was like, What the fuck? Are you serious? And, you know, mind you, a couple months ago, I, I actually watched the whole series of The Wire. I had never seen it before in full. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't believe it, man. Um, Michael K. Williams, that's somebody that always been around. Even, um, you know, even after The Wire, man, you you just see him on something. It could, Like I said, it could be on a Law & Order episode. It could be... Just a random appearance in the in the show. And it's like, oh shit, he in this? And um to me, man, he never played a part that was just where I'm just like, man, why the fuck is he in this? He whatever part he play in, man, he crush it. And, you know, he, he always played he always played a uh interesting part where it's like, oh shit, he a gay man or you know, hmm. whatever it is, man. He, <laughs> he just. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go man. ahead. <laughs> he said, "Oh yeah, gay man." Yeah. Uh, you, you, know, th- you, you know those parts. You know when you watch a movie, <laughs> and there'd be somebody regular, and all of a sudden it, it's a guy right there. It's just like, oh shit! Like they about to get into it with this guy. They got to catch you on guard. <laughs> yes, I, I think he was actually uh, at least bisexual in real life. So yeah, yeah. I, I always but, thought that. I think the uh, his uh, interview on the Breakfast Club kind of confirmed yeah, he it a confirmed bit. it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't say yes or no, but he kind of shut Charlemagne down and said, "Hey, whatever I do mm-hmm. in the bed, whatever that's you know that's that's in the bit that's my business type thing." Mm-hmm. So that to me, that kind of confirmed something. <laughs> yeah, because if you not, you would have said nah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but you know, he did have a son and all that stuff. He a, a kid or kids. So yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, man, whatever role he had, he just crushed it, man. And he to me, I don't, I don't know about you. He never felt out of place to me. And it's just like um, you could tell he really took that shit serious. And I didn't even realize until he passed that um, all the shit he was into, man. I didn't know he was a dance, a backup dancer. 
He like that's some, to me that's somebody that's a prime example of you know somebody that that's that's similar to us that came from where we came from and really grind his ass off to get where he he got to. He wasn't this you know good old choir boy who you know grew up in a uh, with a good family or you know a wealthy family and just you know paid for acting school and just got into it like that. He really worked his ass off, man, and um, you could kind of see it. You could kind of feel the pain, um, the pain uh, he was putting out in his, you know, roles. And um, unfortunately, he passed, man. Um, his last thing he did was the DMX tribute, mm-hmm. and I think I might have said this on the podcast. I'm like, man, he might be setting himself up for, you know, a DMX movie. And that's that's what it kind of reminded me of a little bit. I'm like, damn, if they do a, some type of movie, he could definitely play DMX. And you know, fortunately, he passed, man. And um, yeah, man, he was. You know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say he was the best actor or you know <laughs> anything like that, but he was one of my favorites, man. Whenever he playing something, I'm like all in on it. And, you know, like I said, he played a lot of stuff. He played in the, um, shit, I forgot the name of the movie uh, or the show. It was a, it was an HBO show mm-hmm. uh, um, <laughs> based off the 60s or something. But uh, whatever role he played in, man, he was good. And, you know, The Wire, before I even really watched The Wire, I knew who he was because everybody kept saying, Omar, Omar. <laughs> When you think of the wire, you think of Omar for some reason. That's the one name that stick out to everybody. And um, and even watching that show, I I thought Omar would would be a little more badass than um than what people were saying, but his character just stuck out so much, man. Where you know even the um you know the people say Omar coming, Omar coming, oh shit, Omar coming. He wasn't he wasn't Ghost from Power or Tommy from Power or nothing like that. He was just a regular nigga that he was a regular stick up kid for real. <laughs> he just take whatever you know, whoever out here doing illegal shit, he take it. So it was kind of you know he wasn't a, a rich ass nigga in a, a condo downtown or nothing. And you know that's why I like that show so much. It was kind of down to earth. It wasn't Power. Or, you know, narcos or something where it's just like, man, this shit, like, how the fuck is they making the million dollars a day? Like, it was really some street type shit. And uh, I think he played that part perfect, man. But, um, it, man, it's very unfortunate, man. Um, he was a really good dude, uh, uh, activist. He, you could tell he was, uh, I hate this word, but uh, for a uh, hood nigga, he was well-spoken, man. Mm-hmm. He, he was into all the shit that you know a lot of people think uh, uh, a nigga like that wouldn't be into, the Shakespeare and all that shit. And um, man, is is man is so unfortunate, man. And, um, and yeah, it, rest in peace, Michael K. Williams, man, gone way too soon. And um, yeah, man, <laughs> it, it it really messed up my week a little bit, man. I, I didn't expect to see anything like that. No, definitely, man. It happened on Labor Day, too. You know, a day yeah. where most of us were off yeah. trying to enjoy the And that was just some news that immediately brought you down, man. He was a great actor. 
like I said, a lot ahead of him in store. Um, and yeah, he would have reached even greater heights, I feel. So very sad, man. One of our best working actors gone way too soon. Uh, it sucks, man. It, nothing else to say. It just sucks. Uh, is this, I don't know. It's just shitty, man. Nothing else we can really say. Rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. <laughs> what was, um, what yeah, was his, your hot take about Omar on the wire, man? His character got ridiculous towards <laughs> the end, man. Like the situations he was getting into and getting out of was stretching the imagination a little bit, especially for a show that everybody claims is so realistic and true to the real life in the hood. Like, I do like the fact that he got killed by a random little kid yeah. because I felt like that was realistic. Yeah. And that proves that anybody can get got at any time. But before that, he was jumping out of 10 story windows and shit and getting leg. away. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and somebody, he would walk into a, 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 a crowded room with everybody strapped dolo and then walk out with money I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I don't know about all this. It's getting a little. It felt like they knew he was a popular character, so they were kind of feeding into it rather than you know letting the story naturally take place. But still, iconic. Like he he killed it as a role. Yeah. You know, he made you believe that okay, maybe this is actually possible. But I just feel like they took it a little too far in the end. But I do like how they killed him because that was at least realistic. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's still an iconic role, man. I'm not hating on the role yeah. itself. It's just that he, he he was doing a little too much. The writers got a little too yeah. too loose with his character and, towards the end. And to be honest, I still like I agree with you, but I still don't think it was that bad because it could have easily been Tommy. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? no, power power set the standard for bullshit. <laughs> like nothing is ever gonna compare yeah. to that. So yeah. yeah, at least it's not that. Yeah, but like, it was still kind of silly. Yeah, I was okay with him jumping out of the ten story building and all that shit, but it like from that point on, he wasn't the same to me. Yeah, he was struggling since then, and I mm -hmm. didn't think he was gonna make it. I was shocked the way he got killed, but um, I wasn't mad at it. I I was I was thinking, you know, um, oh boy, I forgot his name, but um. Um, um, boss dude who oh Marlo Marlo I, I'm thinking Marlo yeah. was one of his people was gonna get him but I was kind of like damn like he just got killed by some random dude but mm. it made sense man because if you watch the whole show everything was kind of random and in life uh, the person you beefing with most likely ain't going to be the person that kill you. It, it, a lot of people, a lot of people get killed by random people and never know why, mm -hmm. or don't know anything. So it to me, it kind of made sense, and I like the way they did with that. Where it's like, wait, he got killed, and they never found out who or why or anything. So it to me, with the show, it made sense. If it was power, yeah. I would be pissed. Because it's like, how the fuck y'all just got some, uh, some this dude getting killed randomly like that without no solution to anything? Mm -hmm. But with this show, it made perfect sense to me. So I wasn't mad about that. Yeah, no, nah, it, it made sense. And that was what kind of redeemed it to me. But yeah, it, it was just a little stretch for me. But uh, yeah, rest in peace, Michael K. Williams, man. Very, very sad. And yeah, man, losing them way too soon, man. Losing them way too soon. Uh, I have a tweet I just put in the rundown. I want you to pull it up because I haven't heard it yet. But uh, Swiss Beats and uh, Timbaland 
were on some kind of podcast. And this is a Zoom video. And apparently they were speaking on the Kanye and Drake situation and how apparently there was supposed to be a versus. Oh, shit. So, yeah, pull this up. We got a live oh. react to this. All right. I haven't heard. You heard this? or you? you I haven't heard it yet. Okay. No, I just saw it on the timeline. All right. All right. Y'all about to watch it with us together. Let's, let's yes. see what they talking about. And is, this look like Angie Martinez. Is she, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Angie I guess Martinez, Timberland. Okay. All right. And Swiss Beats. Okay. Let's, uh, yeah. And the, all the battles will continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know, Kanye, Kanye was was willing to do the verses. You know what I'm saying? But who would he battle? He was going. He wanted to battle Drake. Oh, he did. Yeah, he wanted to battle Drake, but I don't. You know, I think they, they communication started getting in a zone. You know what I'm saying? But I just let I left that up to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I told Tim as well. I was like, Yo, they 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 have to bring that to the table. You know, like. They they would have to agree to do that, you know. Kanye was ready, but um, I don't know where that's at now. You know, I still leave it on them. The gems and juice that could happen. My God, <laughs> my God, wow. The home. <laughs> oh. mm. So Kanye wanted to smoke, <laughs> and Drake said no. Damn. Hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine if that went down? Can you imagine? That, that would be so, crazy. So <laughs> let, let's speculate why it didn't happen. Because we know Drake is a competitive guy. We know he likes to get back and forth with the disses. Why do you think this didn't materialize if Kanye wanted it? I think it, to be honest, we heard the song. We heard, we know, um, I don't think a lot of people really uh, realize this, but what Swiss said about Drake when he was a little t- uh, tipsy off the hen or whatever he's drinking, I think that probably played a bit part in it too. Not saying he would have did it if they weren't beefing, but I think it's a hell no for the simple fact that, you know, Drake is in, um, not Drake, but uh, Swiss is in charge of this. Mm-hmm. I don't think, because this would, you know, this would be doing a favor for Swiss. If, if Drake, if Drake alone do a versus, that's you know he's helping Swiss out with this, so um, I think it's a hell no <laughs> off the strength of that. But um, even let's say it was just Timberland that owned this, uh, I don't know if Drake would do this <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think he's not you know I think he's a little above this. If he would do this, remember he actually um, remember he tweeted how or. Instagram how he was the first one doing the verses with the tour with Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. I think the only way he'll do a verses is uh, with somebody like a Lil Wayne. I don't think he'll do anything with Kanye. I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> but uh, I think he'll do something with like a Lil Wayne where it's more, you know, it's not going, you know, verse for verse type thing or song for song. I think it'd be more like a, a young money, cash money thing. But um, I, I I just don't. I think the Swiss beat. I, I, I'm surprised ain't nobody really talking about this like that. But I think this is a big deal, man. Him and Swiss, kind of, you know, him pretty much calling Swiss a bitch <laughs> in the song. Mm-hmm. I just think, uh, and I just think that's kind of, um, I think that's a, a relationship that's kind of crazy. That's not really, uh, I guess, paired for lack of a better word. They, um, 
they had the fancy song and um they never shot the video or I don't know if they did but something happened where it wasn't released but um yeah clearly something happened for Swiss to go out there and felt the way he felt or say what he said about Drake so um yeah it's it's not really surprising man I think the only way Drake would do something like this is against a uh uh, you know, I ain't gonna say against, but with Lil Wayne. Yeah, man, and I think that ultimately, if again, the same reason why Jay probably won't do a versus, like they're not rappers that big or artists that big aren't gonna do something that's gonna make somebody else a whole lot of money yeah. without them getting a whole lot of return from it. It would have to be something in the contract where no part of your cut goes to me too. Yeah. It had to be like a Floyd Mayweather fight. Yeah. Where, you know, somebody where I'm like, hey, I'll get 50 million regardless. Yeah. Drake is like not only the money for doing it, but he also gets like a cut of the revenue that I comes get the in from streaming. What, yeah. And all, all that. Get, yeah. Exactly. And endorsements and all that. They'll have to work out some complicated deal to make it worth Drake or Jay Z's time. Yeah. So I think that's number one. Uh, and number two, like you said, the Swiss Beats beef. Yeah. I think. There's too many, you know, salty feelings over that. But I got to say, man, and yes, we are a Mob Tides qualified podcast, so <laughs> I got to be careful in my wording here. But I'm kind of getting sick of Drake, who supposedly studies battle rap, who supposedly at one point was supposed to live battle rap somebody <laughs> at one point. Remember that? Uh, he was supposed to. Yeah, he was like he loves this competition. He talks about he loves competition, but you running from the competition sometimes. It feels like man, like I don't know if he's just worried about looking bad, you know. I, and I understand that he's one of the biggest rappers. Nobody wants to go online and see people shitting on you. Yeah. I get that, but if Kanye's willing to put it on the line, like Kanye's a person, say what you want, he's not afraid to go somewhere and look stupid. Yeah, you know he's been doing that his whole career. He goes on TV and goes way off script about George Bush not caring about black people. <laughs> he goes drunk at the MTV VMAs and takes an award from Taylor Swift, saying Beyonce could have won. Like he's not scared to put himself out there. I think Drake is very concerned about his image, and yeah. he just he doesn't want to put himself in a compromised position. Yeah. He can't take a loss, man. Yes. Him doing this Pusha T thing, that I think that really hit him hard. And, you know, people still bring it up, man. And you you can tell he's still bothered by it. He's been throwing yeah. shots at Pusha T since. So uh, I think somebody like Drake, they can't, you know, they can't take losses like that, man. They, they, they can't afford it. It's not really worth it because they, they big regardless. And he, he don't have to stoop down to Pusha T level to, you know, he don't have to do that. But if he do, he got to, like, dominate them, man. This this is like, you know, Ohio State versus Bowling Green or something. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't let Bowling Green, you know, try to get the best of you. It can't be a close game. It got to be straight up. It got to be 48 to 3. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can't be 48 to 42 or some shit like that, man. It can't you can't make it a close game where it's even debatable uh, that, you know, so and so should have won that or, you know, they got, you know, they got fucked out of a play or something. 
So um, Drake can't do that. He did it with the Meek. He pretty much blew him out the water. Mm. Where it's like, oh, shit. But if you even make it close, because a lot of people feel like Drake won that um, Pusha T battle. And, you know, like, I, I don't think so. But I'm not arguing with you if you feel like Drake won because, you know, Drake is still Drake right now. I mean, how can you, unless you're a stan or you're mm. arguing that Drake has more money, I don't see how you can argue. I don't I don't think I, he I, even believes I, he won that beat. Yeah. He, he admits he stopped. Yeah, but see, a lot of people feel like, um, I guess a lot of people feel like it didn't really affect him as much. And, you know, uh, it's kind of like if you, you know, if you fight, I guess if you fight somebody, somebody might have hit you in the face twice or something. You that person hit you in the face once, but you got hit in the face twice or something. And the fight kind of stopped. Did you lose that fight (laughs) or, you know, or somebody just come in and break and broke it up? And now you got the chatter. Oh, Drake had a a crazy diss song that would have. Ended everybody, but you know, you know, our, our our friend of the show, Jay Prince, came in and put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, you I I, I kind of understand. I disagree with it, but I understand. You know, people who say, "Hey, like I don't think all all Pusha T did was you know say he had a son or like I like I kind of understand. You know, I don't think he got his ass whooped in the ring or nothing." But I do think this this song was um, it, it it hurt him a lot, man, because I never seen Drake down. Uh, I never seen Drake down like this. And uh, but like I said, I don't think it affected any sales or nothing. <laughs> People no. still going, you know, he's still going to sell out record or uh, sell out songs, arenas and shit like that. So, um, but yeah, a lot of people. Like, I I, kind of understand it, but somebody like Drake can't even take that type of risk. If you go on stoop down to somebody like a Pusha T, you got to blow them out the water. (laughs) And he, fortunately, he didn't do that. He he ran into somebody who he didn't know can fight like that. (laughs) And, you know, it kind of caught him off guard. Have you gone back to to Certified Lover Boy since it dropped? Can can we can we admit to that be, album was honest, a low key weed plate? To be honest, I I wouldn't call it a weed plate, but I did not go back to the album, man. I think to me, I think it's a typical Drake album, man. Like unless you want to call all Drake album weed plates, I think it's a typical Drake album, man. It's you know it's nothing special, you know it's always good production. He always got the lyrics. It's just you know he he. It really didn't move me for real, man. And I I will say, you know, um last week we talked about the album and um the um I think I'm set uh too sexy for myself. I do think that song probably going to get played out. I think uh I I don't know if it's industry friends or just catching on to it trying to push it, it was as well, but that song is definitely a TikTok song. It's going to get played out a lot. But outside of that, man, I think it's like what's the difference between that and Scorpio? I mean, what's yeah, the, yeah what's the difference between that and this other album? I just I, it's, it's good production, <laughs> it's good lyrics, but you know, with him being just a superstar like this, 
I think I think that's the only way that um, people are carrying this album, man, or this album is even in the conversation, man. Because it's a bunch, look, it's a bunch of people that make good, Rick Ross makes some of the best music in, you know, in the game right now, man. But, unfortunately, people only talk about it for a week, and that's it. And people just look past it. And if you look back at a lot of his albums, man, a lot of his albums got some of the best production you'll ever hear. And, you know, some of the best lyrics you'll ever hear. But for some odd reason that I don't know, <laughs> people just kind of look past it. They just say, okay, it's a cool album, and just go and just move on. I think um, the only reason people not doing that with Drake is because, you know, he's, I guess because he sang and he got some good R&B songs that's sticking around. And, he you know, he a big superstar. But... Like, would you, would you, do you feel like Drake music is better than Rick Ross music? Mm, like, if you put his, no. Like, so you would pick Drake music over Rick Ross? No, no. Yeah. I think Rick Ross make better music. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I just think, I think, I think the Drake brand is, uh, you know, is killing it to me. And um, you know the way his rollout was, I think it caught on with the you know the album cover. We should have on the album cover, but everybody was imitating that album cover with whatever. <laughs> I mean, and I just think his marketing, his brand, kind of carry that. I just think the music is you know surpar. And you know I got to give you credit too. Last week you said you think this album is a joke. You you think it was intended to be a joke. And I could kind of see that, man. Like, look at that. Look at that video for uh, "Too Sexy for Myself." Mm-hmm. It was real jokey. He had the fat stomach. You know, it, it was just a lot of stuff about that video that made the song. You know, the song made sense because the song don't make sense if you haven't seen the video. And um, I'm kind of. I guess I kind of agree with you or see what you're saying because. It seemed like he really didn't take the song serious, and uh, the more I read about this album, it um, is, I guess a lot of these songs were kind of old. So now I'm really questioning the the whole album. Like, was did he really take this album serious, or did he just put some shit together? And um, a lot of this sh- shit sound like it should have been on the previous album. And uh, a lot of people saying how some of the songs been out for a, a year or two. And, you know, he just kind of switched a couple things on it. So, um, yeah, I wonder if he even took this serious, if he even motivated like that. Yeah, uh, I, I got to say, man, I don't think time is going to be kind to this album. If you thought Scorpion got shitted on, just wait for about a year. People will consider this to be Drake's worst album. Um, and, and that's not saying a whole lot considering his whole discography is pretty good. But uh, yeah, it, I, 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 people who I thought were super Drake fans are shitting on the album. Rory of the formerly of the Joe Budden podcast, who had his own podcast with Maul now, he even shitted on this album. He said the same thing I did. He said this was like a parody album. Mm. He said he tried to do a Tory Lanes and, and remake old records. Mm. Like Rory, who I thought was 
Drake Close with Drake. Yeah, I thought he was an Aubrey's angel, as they call him. <laughs> he shitted on this album too, man. Damn. Uh, of course, Ma was too cool to say anything. So, you know, he yeah. didn't say anything of importance. But nah, people who I thought were serious Drake stands are saying this album wasn't all that. And I think in a year, people will say this album, like, well, we played it strong because, like you said, Drake ain't going to make a bad album. And mm-hmm. we liked it for what it was last podcast. But people will look back on this album and say, yeah, this nigga. He, yeah, he, he was barely trying. Yeah. Yeah. He like a- every song. I feel like Drake made a better version of a song. That's every song that's on this album. And I think people are going to look at it and say it's the weakest project. Yeah. So maybe it inspires him to come back harder. Hopefully it does. But yeah, man, I don't think it's looking too good for the uh, future of this album. This, this is his, this has to be uh, Drake's, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Mm. I feel, or Blueprint Three, whichever yeah. you think is worse. And see that? <laughs> I will probably say you didn't like you didn't like Blueprint Three at all. Or no, I did. Okay, I did. I will probably say at least Jay Z tried to go in a different route <laughs> with Magna Carta. That's true. That's true. To me, Drake ain't. To me, I I don't know what album Drake stepped outside the box with. I just think for all of his albums he has some good songs but he never like i like if he stepped outside the box with this album and people were saying oh no this might be his worst album maybe this would be yeezus you know what i mean because you at least you could say hey he tried something different and people ain't feeling it right now but maybe in a couple years or you know people might come around and say damn he was actually on to something but this ain't even that like you could like I, you could play a song from 2014, and mix it in with this new album. You couldn't really tell a difference, unless he says something that was current in 2021. And to me, I, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. If you that type of artist, and you just want to stay consistent, you want to stay in your lane. That's cool. But if we putting you up there, uh, supposedly be to be better than Jay Z or. You know, somebody that's untouchable. To me, it's it's just hard to sit there and say, "Hey, like this the this man he he's a trendsetter," or this man he changing the game, or this is a classic. It's just hard for me to say that, man. And like, I I hate to say that because you know it's not wrong with being consistent and staying in your lane, and you know not really you know you don't want to go too different. You want to you got kind of please that same fan base but when people you know hear the album and they say it's a classic or this one oh this one might be his best project i just want to know how man <laughs> because yes. I, I listened to scorpion and i um this was after i want to say after i listened to certified lover boy and i kind of like the production on that a little better at least on scorpion he had dj premiere he had he had a lot more people on uh, with production on that one. And so I just don't understand how people say, you know, this is his best project or, you know, he like how like he always had good production. I never heard anything where I was just like, what the fuck is this? And I, I just don't get that, man. I don't know if people, you know, I don't know if it's the J. Cole factor, uh, whatever he dropped. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Oh, my God. And, you know, I think he's a better rapper than J. Cole. 
But um, I just I just don't see it, man. Like I, I can't deny he don't make you know he he make great music. He make good music, but that's all it is. He he don't go outside of his lane. He don't you know he don't try something different. He not really a trendsetter. He now he do go out and you know find somebody's style and you know he hop on it before it get hot. But he he's not the Kanye who would just say fuck it. I'm a, I'm gonna do whatever and people gonna fuck with this. You know, Drake ain't gonna I don't think Drake gonna do that. I don't know if he can afford to do that, but he just never really did that. And I just don't see how people, you know, look at this project and say, Hey, this is probably his best project, man. Prisoners of the moment. You gotta call it what it is. Uh prisoners of the moment, recency bias, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I judge Drake to the standard that he apparently holds himself. He said on the album he's literally Michael Jackson. Name two Michael Jackson albums that sound exactly alike. Yeah. You can't. Every yeah. time he came out, he switched up Th- the sound, man. Thriller do not sound like the um what's the other what's Off the, the Wall. It don't sound like don't off sound the nothing wall. like that. Don't sound like bad. Bad don't nope. sound like invincible. Like these yep. albums are way different, man. Yes. He was innovating and pushing music <laughs> further than even, it had gone. Even, yeah. Uh you say off the wall. That was his first was that his first album or that no? was his first wait, Solo, no. Uh, I mean if you're I mean if if his, unless you count the uh, fish, his first album that we know yeah i mean it, you, if Rob, you don't count his was, his jackson five nah, in all it, that era uh off the wall was rock with you right that had rock yes. with you on it yeah i i look at that as his you know first i kind of his first album yeah but that album was totally different from thriller <laughs> yeah to me and thriller and off the wall it was totally different from bad <laughs> yes and, and hey, Drake, Drake is literally Michael Jackson, according to him. So I don't I know. Just, I just don't see that, man. It grinds my gears when people say he's our Michael Jackson or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think like and I hate to say this, man, but I feel like Kanye is more of a Michael Jackson than Drake. A hundred percent. Because at least when when Kanye drop is like, what are we getting from him? Like mm-hmm. people stop what they doing and listen. How many times did we call Kanye album uh, albums um, doo doo or bad or whatever? But soon as he drop another one, we all there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, and it's all different, man. You could go through all of his albums outside of maybe his first two or something, and they all different, man. It's it's a different thing for everything. So I just don't that grinds my gears when people say he's our, you know, our Michael Jackson just because he I guess he had doing the numbers. Like fuck the numbers, man. Yeah, that means nothing to me anymore. Streaming yeah. numbers, I don't care. A lot if of it people, ain't physicals. A, a lot of people do numbers, man. Um designer was doing fucking numbers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I I don't care about that shit, but like look, let's line up all of his albums. Maybe it's a different. You could probably see the growth from his first project, and you know, second project, you know, going on. But to me, the production all sound the same to me, man. It, you know, it's good productions. He he didn't really step outside of his lane. He don't really take chances. So I just I don't know, man. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, we're gonna revisit this at the end of the year when we do our year end wrap up. I want to see where it ranks 
because we still have a, a lot of few, a lot, may, potentially quite a few more big releases before the year ends. And it'll be interesting to see where Drake stacks up, man, because this is a long awaited album. In my opinion, it did not deliver the hype. But I mean, we'll see how it ranks up because this is a, a very, very uh, uh, competitive year in, in rap and music period. So we'll see. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you feel like this album is better than J. Cole's album? Because a lot of people been bringing that up. A lot of people been saying, hey, I think J. Cole uh, got the best <sighs> album, which I disagree with. But um, pretty much a lot of people been saying that album was better. I'm biased because I don't really like J. Cole. Like I get his music a chance. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Drake because I listen because I find his music more listenable to me. But I wouldn't knock somebody for saying J. Cole's album was better than Drake's. You know, uh, I think they're they're both fine albums for the artists they are. I can't say either album was bad. I didn't like the J. Cole album, but that's just me. So I can't knock somebody for saying that, but yeah, and just uh, and know. just by you even saying that, man, I think that's a problem yes. because I don't <laughs> I don't put Drake on the same level as a J Cole to me. Mm-hmm. I think Drake is uh, above J Cole, and for that to even be, hey, you know, I'm not arguing with anybody who say that. Yes. that's crazy, man. Because we nah, would we wouldn't say that about a, a Jay Z. We wouldn't say, hey, yeah. you know, we wouldn't say whoever was under Jay Z at the time. We wouldn't say, oh, yeah, um, you know, I wouldn't be mad if they say, he said Cameron album was better than, you know, I wouldn't yes. be mad. At, like, you can't, they can't even be in the same conversation to me. No, I, I agree, man. And people like Trey Young are way off with that and, damn tweet. Yeah, and we comparing him, and we comparing Drake to Michael Jackson. Yeah, but we sit. But people saying, "Hey, you know, I ain't mad if people like the J Cole album better yeah. than this one." Like, nah, uh, ain't nobody, nobody ever did that with Michael Jackson, and maybe hey. Prince. And Prince is, he's up, and you get down there have an argument between Prince and Michael Jackson. That's yeah, that's pretty common and that's legit. But I don't look at <laughs> I don't look at J Cole as a Prince. And Michael Jackson uh, or or uh, Drake as a Michael Jackson. Yeah, man. Like I said, he's the biggest star in rap we have. But yeah, he's not Michael Jackson. He's not. He hasn't surpassed Jay Z. So all these arguments. I mean, look, we got to dead it. We will revisit this album to see if it's aged even worse. But I'm just saying the outlook is grim. You know, no matter how much money he puts into promoting this album and putting the songs on ESPN and all this shit he's gonna do to make sure it pops off, eh, I don't think he. I don't think he tried his best here, man. I think it's gonna show, and time will reflect that this will be his worst album so far. But yeah. we'll see, I, man. Real quick, man. I kind of got to get messy, man. I know we mob t- uh, qualified, uh, mob ties qualified, but um, Drake been getting a lot of backlash on some lyrics on the song. Whoa! Did you, did you see? I don't know if you heard about this. I'm sure you did, but um, apparently some of his lyrics. I'm trying to figure out what song it was, um, but it's some lyrics that was saying it. it, it it's not really confirmed, but um, rumor have it that 
he might have been talking about that Millie Bobby Brown chick from Stranger Things. Remember the really? Yeah. Did you see the that underage girl he was talking to, and she said he, she was text. He was texting her. Yeah. So in the song, I want to say, um, um, where what was it? Shit. Um, he's uh, it's a song called Into Deep, mm-hmm. and Drake said, "Step to my girl, hands getting thrown up." February 19th is the day of the glow up. So a lot of people's doing research and the girl, uh, Millie Bobby Brown is her name. She played, she, she was the young actor on stranger things and her birthday is February 19th. <laughs> what does she turn 18? Like no, she, she, she currently 17 right now. Oh, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I wonder what else. So, Let me go to so, Rap Genius. So mm. next year is the um, so February 19, twenty twenty two. She'll be eighteen, and then uh, later in that song, he said he said, um, "Baby, that pussy was so worth the wait." <laughs> what? Wait a minute. It, <laughs> you ain't hear about this? No, I didn't actually. <laughs> yeah. So I seen a, a couple people saying, "Hey, why nobody talking about Drake and these?" This type of shit. <laughs> Wait, it's in too deep. Are you sure? Yeah, in too deep. Yeah. And he said February nineteenth. Yeah, he said um, in the song um, "In Too Deep." He said, "Step to my girl, hands getting thrown up." February nineteenth is the day of the glow up. Wait. Okay. Uh, what the fuck? What song? Wait, is this real? What song is this? I can't find. I, 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 nah, we gotta, we gotta, nah, we, we gotta find it. Cause I, I just looked up, uh, the song and I didn't find these lyrics. So no, we have really? to fact check this, man. We, we can't let rumors permeate on the podcast. Cause I, I'm looking at the lyrics for In Too Deep and I don't see this. So I'm wondering if this is just some crazy rumor that got started. Cause, I do not see these lyrics on the song "In Too Deep." Let me see. Nah, man. I, nah, this is kind. Nah, nah. We got to shut that down. Yeah. I don't think that's true, man. I think that's some Kanye fans trying to start some shit. Because I'm looking at the lyrics and I don't see nothing like that on that song. I think that we got. Nah, we can't let that fly, man. We we gotta we gotta have we gotta we gotta be fair. Nah, I don't think that's true. I think somebody made that up on Reddit because I don't see anybody else talking about this. Hmm. I'm looking at the lyrics right okay. now. I don't. I don't I'm, see I'm none to, of that. I'm trying to make sure if it's the right song. the The story I saw that linked to it said "In Too Deep," but I don't see anybody. I don't see no no proof of this. I don't know, man. We'll have to do some further research, but I don't see those lyrics on uh, on that song. Maybe it was another one. I don't know, but I don't know. Nah, we we can't. We we will suspend that debate until we can. We got to get the Gems and Juice investigative team on this before we spread any rumors, because I I don't see those lyrics on that song. But so we will suspend that debate right. and that talk. Until we find we'll out. We'll let you know if it's confirmed or not. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, so shoot, we might be damn near about time to wrap this podcast up, man. Uh, we can end off with the viral debate that's been raging on for some reason. I guess it's been a slow week on Twitter. <laughs> People are bringing up the dinner with Jay Z or blank amount of money. <laughs> for some reason, this got uh revisited. I guess some mm-hmm. guy tweeted that he would take the dinner with Jay Z over five hundred thousand dollars cash because <laughs> he believes that the knowledge that Jay Z would drop is worth more than five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> um, of course, everybody shitted on him for this take. Uh, even titled the official title account said, "Take the five hundred k." And and like we said, this was revisited because this this was a debate that happened like years ago on Twitter, yeah. and it was fifty k at first. <laughs> Somehow it jumped to five hundred k, half a million dollars. Yeah. Or dinner with Jay Z. Just a <laughs> dinner with Jay Z. Not like you live with the nigga. Yeah. Dinner with Jay Z or five hundred thousand dollars and people one guy said he would take the dinner. So <laughs> yeah. what is your take on this debate, Figgy? I don't even know why it's a debate, man. <laughs> so called debate. Yeah. People people fail to realize and when I mean by people, I'm guessing that guy. Just because you have a dinner with somebody don't mean he gonna give you the whole game plan uh how he got rich. And even if that, man, you can have a dinner with a lawyer and he can give you the whole game plan on how to be a lawyer. That don't mean you're gonna walk away and become a lawyer or you know what to do. Or, you know, you're gonna achieve it, man. A lot of people re- need to realize, man, it's a lot of people that are hustlers or business owners and bosses. Everybody ain't a business owner or boss, man. Even bosses and business owners, they got to have some workers, some loyal workers who good with working the nine to five, man. So, you know, like if you ask a regular nine to five person to, you know, have a dinner with Jay-Z and, you know, pick his brain and all this other shit, that don't mean they going to walk away and become Jay-Z or, you know, become a multi-millionaire or you know whatever like that take the money man 500k is life changing <laughs> you know you you could damn near live off of that you know at our age probably comfortably for the rest of your life at least up until you get older you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you can't pass that up on anybody i don't care who it is though i'm it ain't no celebrity I will pass up 500k for. I, dog, I got a grandmother in heaven. <laughs> if somebody said I could talk to my grandmother or have dinner with my grandmother who is in heaven, I ain't. Gonna, I love you, grandma, but I don't <laughs> even know if I'm passing 500k up for that, man. It's it. It don't make any sense. <laughs> but Jay gonna put you on game, man. That's more invaluable. Look, uh, <laughs> I I feel like Master P will put you more on game than Jay Z. I feel like uh, Jay Z will be like, uh, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he he gonna sit there and you seen the picture of him cutting up his steak. Yeah, it, it will probably look just like that. I feel like if Master P, if if you had the choice to um, go to dinner with Master P and he teach you the game or something like that. I feel like he at least have a damn conversation with you on how he started and what you could do. 
I'm not not begging on Jay-Z to sit there and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Yeah, man. I I don't know because I feel like Jay-Z's a stand-up enough dude to where if you paid him $500,000 for a dinner, I don't think he would just blow you off and say, I'm not talking to you. He might think you're stupid as shit for spending that much money. But you're not paying him for the dinner. You're actually choosing. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's hypothetical bullshit anyway. 500K or a dinner with Jay-Z. Yeah, no, nah, that, that that whole thing is silly. I don't know yeah. why it got blurred up to 500000 either. But here's a question. $5,000 or dinner with Jay-Z? What are you taking? Uh, I, I would probably, honestly, I, I would have to learn the terms because I wouldn't mind passing up $5,000 for a dinner with Jay-Z. If I 500 could, $500? Mm-hmm. Find nah, man. I, I would I would do a dinner with Jay Z over five hundred. Okay, but you said five thousand. You wouldn't. No, five uh, five thousand. I would I would take the uh, Jay Z dinner over five thousand. Okay, okay, okay. Look, I get you. I, I kind of look at it like this: um, five thousand dollars. It's not. It's a good amount of money. I'm not rich. That's a good amount of money, but I feel like it's not life changing. I can. I would pay some bills off with that money. Maybe get some nice stuff, get a PS Five or something. Mm-hmm. But it's not about to change my life, man. <laughs> so um, I I have to think more on that. Like, can I? You know, like I look at it like this: Would you? Would you do a? Um, would you take the five thousand dollars or have Jay Z on the podcast for thirty minutes? Come on, man! Would, Easily on the podcast, exactly. Yeah, because the five thousand dollars—that's cool and all, but you know, you live in comfortable right now, so you know that's that five thousand dollars ain't about to change your life. That's not life changing. Where you know, you can be debt free, and you know, you you'll be good for the next you know twenty or thirty years. Five I mean, five hundred thousand dollars. I feel like that's life changing. That's a half a million dollars. You yeah. Can, you can pay off everything you got going on, and you know you'll still be good. You can take vacations. You'll still be good if you don't just like, you know, stupidly spend all that money. But yeah, like five thousand dollars, I I would take him on the podcast for thirty minutes <laughs> and pass up that five thousand dollars, man. Oh, definitely. What about fifty? Fifty thousand. I I, I, uh, I, I, I could, uh, no, 50,000, I'm I'm not saying that's life changing, but that's a big chunk where I would, I can't pass up $50,000 because you can, Hmm. I could down there pay off all my debt with that. Yeah, that's true. I would consider it if the terms were different. I think if, if the stipulation was we had dinner and I talked to Jay-Z and he had to answer everything honestly. Mm. Like he couldn't lie about anything. Cause I would ask him yeah. everything. I might not ask him anything about business. You think that's worth fifty thousand dollars? Uh it depends see, on what see, he knows. See, <laughs> see, I'm I would I don't think I would pass that up, but uh I don't think I would pass up to fifty thousand dollars for that. But if it was on the podcast where we could get him on the podcast and ask him anything on record 
then I yeah. I would consider it at least. I would sit there. We we had to group up and be like, yep. damn. <laughs> like, how you feel about this? We had to yeah. have a long discussion and say, hey, are we passing up $50,000 to get an exclusive Jay-Z interview? Yes. And maybe we can probably get some sponsors and try to make up for that money. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would have to think about all of that shit. Mm-hmm. But at least I'm thinking about that. But as far as just a dinner, man, I, it, to me it's a dinner. I, yeah. I I just don't know who I would have dinner with for that, you know, that amount of money, to, uh, or to pass up on that amount of money. Yeah, no, that the fifty five hundred got ridiculous, man, and that's when I knew it was just trolling. Yeah. Fifty, I could see somebody making that argument and being serious about it. Yeah, because according to Twitter, fifty thousand dollars ain't shit. You know, uh, according to Twitter, a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred thousand dollar a year salary ain't shit, according to Twitter. So, I mean, according to them, I can see the bougie ass black Twitter people making an argument for fifty thousand dollars. But five hundred just got ridiculous. Yeah, five hundred is a little too ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah, it got it got too silly, man. They, they killed the debate. So yeah, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, I would possibly pass up maybe five thousand dollars, but to me, when it get up to the uh, to about ten, yeah, I ca- I can't do that, man, because there's a lot you could do with ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Five thousand is kind of like uh, like if it's to me, I don't know, I would maybe do a dinner with them uh, to pass up five thousand dollars, and you know, of course, it got to be turns a picture and. All this other shit, some type of shit like that. But $10,000, man, it's like, nah, I, nah, because I feel like our podcast is good enough. It had to be an interview, too, man. Mm-hmm. I feel like our podcast is good enough where eventually in the long run we could get a Jay-Z interview. That's that's how confident I am in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But hey, people saying, you know, the to be fair, we only see the one person with the 500000 But... Mm-hmm. I, you can't pass that money up, man. How is you gonna come across that type of money? <laughs> I, I just don't. No. I just don't see the purpose of passing that up, man. You can, you can fucking that five hundred thousand dollars. You can get that and fucking pay to get into the Rock Nation brunch mm-hmm. <laughs> and get a suit and still have a, enough money to live probably for the rest <laughs> of your life comfortably. Yep. <laughs> No, definitely true, man. Definitely true. I don't know if I would ever, you know, when you talk about that amount of money, who would be worth? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's really uh, tough. I'll, I can't think I'll, anybody living that I would I'll, pay, yeah. give up $500,000 to talk to. Yeah, I'm not doing it for Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, hell doing no. It. You have to pay me to talk to Barack, man. What the <laughs> fuck is he going to say, dog? Come on now, man. That, that's probably the coolest president to have on, man. Yeah. What, other, what other president would you have on <laughs> on this podcast? If you uh, none of them. Like, well, why do I want to talk to a president, man? What that's the fuck what, are they going to say that's interesting? And, and Barack Obama got a fucking podcast with Bruce Springsteen. Uh, you know, so. nobody listens to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares what Barack Obama got to say about anything no more. He ain't yeah. president. Yeah. It'd still be cool. It's something to put on a resume. It'll be cool to meet him. I don't, I don't necessarily want to have dinner with him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I feel like he'd but be kind of lame. But see, people like that, you you, you got to take them out their comfort zone, man. Yeah. You got to talk about anything outside of politics and all that shit. And that's the yeah. one thing I like about this podcast. I feel like we have anybody on 
We can have fucking a uh, 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 football coach on and kind of take him out the comfort zone. We we ain't gotta talk to Barack Obama about what's going on in the world and uh, shit like that. Man, man you how can but, you avoid it? Be like, how can you how can you look at Barack Obama in the face for five minutes without asking? Like, you know, niggas still fucked up in the world, man. How come you didn't help us out, dog? I'm just playing. <laughs> you were the chosen one. Remember that? Remember, yeah. I voted for you the first time I ever voted, Barack. What happened, man? Yeah. My it, people it, still broke and it, struggling it, out here. be like, man, they had my hands tied, dog. Yeah. Like, look, I, I, had, I had this whole plan, but man, they, they just wouldn't let me do shit, man. Like, yeah. it's harder than what it looked, man. I'll just say that. <laughs> If Barack Obama actually <laughs> talked like that, I would be a fan. But nah, he, he, he never talked like that. Yeah. Oh hell no. Nah, unless man. he, unless it's a book he' about to put out, yeah, where he about to die. Mm-hmm. And, and he just nah, said, "Fuck I don't it, think I'm even then. Blazing. Yeah. Now Michelle <laughs> might be the one to say all that, but Barack, nah. He just put out a playlist every year to make people think he' down with the culture. But whatever, <laughs> man. You sound um, like a Barack hater, man. Dog, I'm, I was just sick of him, man. I, I was, I got sick of him, dog. But that's a whole other podcast, whole other debate. I think we. <laughs> Look at you making our MAGA friends happy, man. Man, that ain't even. Yeah, that. Rocket, that's what I I'm talking know. about. <laughs> yeah, that fucking Barack Obama. Yeah. Nah, wait till they got. Wait till they hear what I gotta say about Trump. They gonna hate me again. So. <laughs> Uh nah man. Uh <laughs> fuck it. I think that's about it. I think that about wraps up this edition of the podcast, man. Bring on that Anita. Yeah. yeah. You need to close it out proper. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, of course, thank all y'all for listening to the podcast. Thank our special guest, Josh Meese. Uh, you can catch that interview on YouTube. Gonna put that up as well on our YouTube channel, Gems and Juice Podcast. Or Gems and Juice, I forget what it's officially called. Some Gems and Juice. Search Gems and Juice. Yes. It and you'll find it. Uh, thank all y'all for listening. Thank Jasmine for doing her thing in the background. Uh, thank everybody who's supporting the podcast since day one. Or the new listeners, you know. Yeah, we got the uh, new people, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, thank, shout out to Kevin Walker. Uh, we had a great podcast. If you ain't cast that, go re-listen man it was a good deep dive into the drake album long but it's worth it yeah. i think that's one of the best podcasts we've done yeah. so definitely if we had a good time we laughed a whole lot so yeah. make sure you check that out and, uh shout out to john lopez man um, oh yeah yeah he he helped us get um jo- josh meese on so um yeah shout out to john lopez man he actually came to me and said hey this uh, I actually know this guy. <laughs> if you want to have him on the podcast, I said sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, sh- big shout out to the OG John Lopez for hooking yeah. that up. Good looking out to the OG man. He's a good dude. Um, thank you all y'all for listening as well. Of course, you can catch Figgy Fig on air with John Lopez and Landry Lager, ten to two Sports Radio six ten in the loop. Um, if you can't catch it, make sure you catch it on the podcast. Make sure you listen. It's going to be a spicy sports year, especially in Houston, man. So make sure y'all stay tuned to all the shit that's going to go down, positive and negative. Remember, you a whole lot of negative stuff, but, you know, <laughs> that makes for the most fire radio, too. So yeah, y'all know how that go. Um, also, shout out to Jasmine as well. Uh, follow her Chitty Chitty. Wait, I keep saying Chitty Chitty Bakes. Jazz of all trades, whatever. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bakes.
There you go. DJ yeah, Ace. she got her own bass. She got her own jobs, man. She Jazz, big time now. Jazz of all trades is her yep. name. Yes, yes. Make sure you follow her and uh, thank her for all the things she does in the background as well. Promoting the podcast, doing the damn thing. Thank y'all for listening as always. And until next time, peace. peace.